Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Uh, I mean, because it does mean something. <laughs> it means that 
we saving face for his party is what it meant. Um, I'm just very disappointed with Joe Manchin. I mean, I like the guy. I, you know, I've, I've seen him, you know, you know, talk a lot of times in interviews and things of that nature. He actually seemed like uh, a, a moderate Democrat, if not a most leaning towards uh, a conservative Democrat. But him voting for, uh, you know, removal from office, Manchin, I'm just so shocked. Now, of course, on the Republican side, you have Mitt Romney, which, let's be honest, the Romulan, uh, as some of us like to call him. Is you know, not standing shoulder to shoulder, obviously, uh, with the uh, the Republicans. At least on one of the articles. I mean, I know we did split, you know, on, on one of the articles. Uh, you know, for that, I think he he voted for uh, you know abuse of power, but not or, or maybe the obstruction of Congress, not abuse of power. I might have those two numbers mixed, but it doesn't matter. I mean, he, he still voted, <laughs> you know, for one of the articles of impeachment again knowing that he wasn't going to, and it pretty much fell upon uh, party lines. Uh, but let's go ahead and get our guest on, on the line, and that is Bill uh, Falwell. And there is a little typo because uh, at first, well, when he was introduced to me, uh, they, they spelled it uh, Farwell, but we, we had a, a Falwell, actually. And he's running in the primary in the 17th District of Illinois. And so let's go ahead and uh, bring Bill on the line. Uh, so thank you very much, Bill, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Oh, doing all right, doing all right. Uh, thanks for asking. And you know, yeah, you know, no, I appreciate Arlen, um, Arlen Williams from uh, Gulag Bound uh, introducing us. You know, at least you know, at least introducing you and your campaign uh, and having yeah. you on to the show. Uh, he, he mentioned uh, having you come in. I thought, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a great idea. So uh, I do appreciate you and you coming on tonight. I appreciate you having me. Oh, you're welcome. And so it is a primary, and through my understanding, at least what a little bit I've seen, uh, you have two uh, two main opponents, and that's uh, far. That's kind of two similar names, and that that's got to be hard for the voters because there's a a Farwell, and then a Falwell, and then a a King, correct? A Farrell. <laughs> so that's gonna be kind of difficult yeah, you know, for the, the voters a little bit. Well, it kind of cleared up a bit. Uh, Eugene Farrell got out. Uh, I'm still in. But my name is Farrell. It's a long A. And, yeah, then uh, 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 Miss King uh, from Chicago, who they brought out from Chicago to Rock Island in order to run against me because oh, well, that's, I scared that, the hell That's off. good. That's actually good news. Yeah. Okay, so I was uh, looking over one of these videos uh, of a debate uh, that you had, and, and good. I'm, I'm not as uh, obviously versed on the happenings of the primary there in, in uh, Illinois, but it, it, it's good that's actually now just yourself and King uh, on there. Yeah, and, and so, oh well, yeah, now it's now it's down to two, and I think, uh, I mean, I said I don't know much, you know, about her, and so I mean, this wasn't going to be the first question I was going to ask for you, uh, but since we're kind of on that vein. Uh, between yourself and King, what, what do you think is the thing that differentiates, uh, you know, you and, and you being in the position than if she was uh, elected, or at least in the primary? Oh, well, uh, she's the party candidate. In fact, she, she sold herself. Uh, I talked to her this summer because what I pitch is returning uh, the rule of government back to the people. It's not the way it is right now. So I picked out uh, three bills. 
that are wildly popular with the people and in Congress. If you get past all three of them, which I call let the people rule, you'd change America from Americans being ruled by our government to the people ruling the government. Well, I called her up this summer, and I, I said, hey, I don't have to be the guy that sends this message. I don't have to run for Congress. You know, I'd be happy to step back. If you'll pick up three, three bills and make them part of your campaign, I'll support you. And she told me, she says, well, I probably can't do that because um, the party's backing me, and I have to do what they tell me to do. Well, that's the problem right there in a nutshell. So she kind of you know, tied my hand. I ran last time. I had 90,000 people vote for me, and I think it's because they believed in my message. And so I had to uh, go at it again. So that brought me into the mix, and uh, here I am. So I represent the people. I represent the party, and that's a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I represent the, the people. She represents the party. And that's a huge difference. That's the problem in America today. You have all these politicians uh, supporting the party. And you know, no one can serve two masters at the same time. You're either going to serve the party or you're going to serve the people. The problem is you have all these politicians serving the party, the Democrat and Republican, and you want to know why things are screwed up. There you go. Well, and, and- Over. It's it's certainly you know I mean, we we've you know, we've even had uh, you know folks from you know multiple parties you know third parties on here Green Party Libertarian Party Constitution Party you know on on the program you know certainly representing you know of the people is, is your point that we call ourselves the the grassroots we the people is what we kind of dubbed ourselves here and so that definitely you know when I was talking to Arlen said you know that resonates. With us, like our, our guests, we're going to have uh, next week. You know, Randy said so some things are going to be. He's running for Delaware, actually, for the um, for the Senate in Delaware. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that certainly resonates with us, and so we're, we're we're certainly glad to have you on. And now with that, uh, with it being the party, and now one of the things that may you know help your campaign is deal with with Trump. So I know one of the questions during the debate that we. Uh, that you have, at least with the three, they're talking about impeachment. And, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, that, you know, today's acquittal pretty much on party lines except for Mitt Romney. Uh, again, is what you said earlier is uh, with, with Manchin. I think Manchin is actually a, a good example of what you just said. Is that I think he had his own mind. I really don't think. Now, if I'm just going off of the history of what I've heard from Manchin in the past, is that I don't think that he thought that you know this was an impeachable offense. I mean, the way he talked, it sounded like he was kind of in line in actually you know voting to acquit. I mean, you even had Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, who thought we this might be a bipartisan bipartisan vote to uh, you know acquit. And of course, now the Democrats are going to say it was actually bipartisan to remove him or at least vote against him. You know. The impeachment is the end of a three-year, uh, just a continual uh, coup against a, a constitutionally elected president, and you know clearly on a uh, partisan uh, basis. And it's just it's taken a divided nation and just divided it you know even more. I mean, it, 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 they're they're so irresponsible because they refuse to take responsibility for their actions. Now, the reason the country is so divided is because of the 
disparity in wealth. I mean, you have the top 10% owning 76% of the country, and half of that, a little over half of that, is owned by the top 1%. Well, why is that? Well, I can tell you specifically it's because they've, take, they've allowed over the years all the powers of Congress, Article 1, Section 8, to have been transferred over to any number of um, public or private federal agencies. So you, you've taken all the powers of Congress, given them the executive branch, completely they destroyed the separation of powers. And you've taken the ability to make laws and take it away from the people. Because when you consider Congress as the people's place in our government, if that Congress has no power, guess who else doesn't have any power? That's right, you and me. So what's happened is that instead of laws being uh, introduced, debated, compromised, and voted on in the public forum, they're done behind closed doors. In fact, 90% of the laws that we live under are written in a federal agency. And you've heard of Sam's Club, right? No, yeah. Well, this mm-hmm. is Uncle Sam. Yeah, this is Uncle Sam's Club. And to be a member, you have to billion, be a billionaire or close to it. And if so, you can go buy the best monies, uh, or you can write the best laws money can buy. And that's what's happened. Everybody's lit, written themselves into uh, the law. And it, it guarantees them uh, money with the Federal Reserve, a private federal agency, um, U.S. EPA, Health and Human Services. It doesn't matter what it is. You've got lobbyists spending all their time and money not so much with Congress, but to a certain extent. They're really spending their money on all these uh, federal agencies and the people in it. And they're totally unelected. And so it's not a surprise that you've had this huge concentration of wealth. But if you pass term limits and you pass an audit of the Federal Reserve, which is the the first two legs of my uh, Let the People Rule Act, and then you add to it the RAINS Act, which simply starts clawing back uh, powers of these federal agencies to write any kind of a law when it affects uh, any part of the economy over $100 billion, which is fairly easy to do. Those three bills, if passed, would change the entire operating dynamic of America from a people that are ruled by the government and return it to the people ruling the government. And you'd see everything change. This disparity in wealth couldn't exist. It would explode. And this is right in line with what Trump's trying to do. But he's, for some reason, he's never realized that he has to change the system. You know, when he first got in, before he first got in, I, I heard him speaking with some economists in November after he's elected. And he said, we're going to make the system work because I'm going to, the problem is the people. I'm going to bring in the right people. Well, that never works because the reason Trump was elected, because the system has failed. And no matter what you do, the system has still failed. And I, I, I would love to get to Congress because then I could, somebody has to be there and using it for a pulpit to get out there and start talking about this and repeating it and just banging it home. And that's why they're so afraid of me. And that's why they brought this girl out from Chicago and given her, you know, hundred, $200,000 to try and beat me in the uh, primary. And she's getting beat right now. You know, I know that they're doing, uh, um, polls because I know who these people are that are running her campaign that made her commit to do what they tell her to do, and they're the most corrupt people in Illinois. And that's saying something. I mean, it's a pretty corrupt state. When you take the most corrupt people in the state, they are running her campaign, and she has sold her soul to these people. I mean, 
that's basically what I ended up having you run against. Uh, and I'm in it to win it. And I, I think the people are responding. If, uh, and if I can pull it off, you know, it's not a lot of money compared to her hundreds of thousands of dollars. That'll be a major victory for the people against the parties. And uh, we'll, we'll beat the Republican Party, and then we'll go on to beat the Democratic Party. Uh, they're really not Republicans around here in Illinois anymore. You know, they're willing to sell their soul. You know, fine example, if you go back to the uh, video of our debate, um, they asked the question, give us a yes or no. If you had the opportunity to um, end Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Eugene says no. I say yes immediately. And then uh, Esther King just sits there, comes in the hospital, and says, uh, eventually. Well, your mind races right back to Revelation 3, 15 and 16, where, you know, it, it's, it's the line about, you know, hey, hot or cold, I'm okay with. But lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. And that's what, you know, eventually, what, what the hell is eventually? Yeah, I know what no is. I know what yes is. I don't know. Well, eventually is when she believes enough public opinion is behind her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, eventually is what the her, her tell her to not say anything. In fact, if you go through that debate, she didn't say anything about anything. It, it, it's she treats it like uh, like a beauty queen. Yeah, yeah. Just an attractive girl. You know, I'm a fat, old, you know, bald guy with a beard. So I mean, uh, but. People are starting to look at the content because it's my second time around. I've already been taken out and uh, trashed nationally by CNN and the uh, Soros Media Matters Share Blue propaganda machine. They turn on Trump every day. It's just that my party here in Illinois is so corrupt that they grabbed onto it. And I've actually been censored and banned in probably nine or ten of the uh, 14 uh, counties in my district. It's an old saying. Well, it's not such an old saying. It's, uh, you know, censorship is the voice of corruption. And where are we? We're in Illinois. Yeah. If you want corruption in the Midwest, you can't go the right place. So, like I said, if, uh, you know, I can pull this off, and I think I can. Um, It'll be a major victory for the people. And if I can beat the Republican Party, I can beat the Democratic Party. And, uh, you know, Sherry Bustos, Dick Durbin's goddaughter. Uh, you know, she's got. I think she has a lot of problems. You know, she's embraced this whole uh, green uh, farming thing, and all it really means is that you know, they're going to start telling farmers how to uh, be a farmer. And the craziest thing of them all, they want to start laying down pipes to collect CO2 and send it somewhere. And all they're going to be able to run through the thing, spend billions of dollars on like uh, that. All they're going to do is pipe uh, red herrings. I mean, it's absolutely insane how crazy they're getting, how far out of touch the Democratic Party is. And I think Trump keeps everyone well, grounded. And, 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 and you mentioned earlier about the billionaires. The talk about out of touch is that they always seem, including Elizabeth Warren, but 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 Democrats, you know, and I'm not trying to paint a broad brush, but you see a lot of Democrats who, you know, they have problems with billionaires and millionaires, even though a lot of them are, are, are that themselves. But then, then now they're starting to push, you know, a billionaire Michael Bloomberg <laughs> to yeah, be president yeah, of the yeah. United States. I'm like, so you, you complain about 
Trump being a billionaire, but then you want to, you know, push him on. He's, he's even more of a billionaire than he is, from my understanding, to, to run against him. So I, I find the uh, the hypocrisy, their, their hypocrisy has no bounds, uh, you know, well, when, yeah, when it comes they, to that. They, they, they changed the rules because uh, Bloomberg came in and, and paid for it, just like Hillary did last time. She came in, you know, took all the money that uh, they stole from the Clinton Foundation around the world and Tell someone to pay off the debts of the uh, DNC and buy herself the uh, uh, the uh, nominee and stole it from Bernie. Oh, they're just doing the same thing all over again. It's, it's corruption in the United States is possible because the government rules the people. I mean, I like to take things down to what's the very key point? Where What is the base issue that we have to deal with? And it, it really it comes down to it every time. It's, it, it's, the problem is the people do not rule this country. The government runs well, and, it. And, rules. and, 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 and the point I make all the – You've got to change the daily operating model, the structure of that government, how it operates. That's what I'm trying to do. It's the only way. Well, and, and, and the point that I make up, you know, in a, you know, in a kind of analogous is, you know, we've been – the talk about – you talk about corruption is, I mean – I bring up that you know show uh, or that movie, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Hollywood, and that movie was made in the 40s. So we've been talking about corruption for over 80 years, you know, government corruption yeah. for over 80 years, you know, not doing the work of the people. And then you finally get a president and President Trump who let's let's be honest, he's a populist among anything. And so you have finally have somebody who wants to expose corruption, and the people. Have been complaining about, oh my gosh, Washington D.C. is corrupt. Let's get, you know, it'd be great to have some people or have a person there to address corruption. Yeah, finally get a president in there to address it, and then, and then the media, you know, who I call the propaganda arm of the DNC and the Democrat Party, is successful in getting almost half the country. Now I think that uh, they're fading away from that to believe that he's corrupt. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you, you can't. Uh, it's ridiculous. Their 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 corruption you know goes beyond the Democratic Party for sure. The interesting thing about the Democratic Party is that they've got their corruption on both sides. They've got it with the old Democratic Party, and they're already into the new you know brand new Congress uh, Democratic Party. You know, brand new Congress, uh, uh, Justice Democrats. It's all the same organization. These go back to Bernie people uh, following the. 2016, uh, once they, they knew Bernie was out, well, no, it would be 20, at 2016, in May, they saw the writing on the wall, and about 25 of them, key people, went out and started this whole brand-new Congress thing. Now, that's who elected um, uh, what, OEC or AOC or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a squad, and they've got candidates out there all the time taking it over. But they're, that, that, you know, they're budding. You know, but the people behind him are the same people that were behind Obama, a bunch of communists. You know, literally. I mean, his father was the biggest communist, one of the biggest communists, certainly the the biggest intellectual uh, university communist in the United States. And amazingly, you know, taught at uh, Notre Dame. It's just, you know, the, the corruption is just so deep and so broad. And again, the only way you can stop it is to change the operating system of government. And you have to change it from one where the government rules the people to one where the people rule the government. 
and the entire model for that is our United States Constitution. And the key to that is Article 1, Section 8, delineating all the powers of Congress. They have to, their duty is to administrate and conduct all those powers. And you know, they, by giving all their powers to these federal agencies, yeah, I understand. It's uh, the Alaska Clause, um, you know, necessary and proper. But even if you go back to that, to 1819, when the uh, uh, court dealt with that, uh, Chief Justice against me. But, you know, when he made that ruling, uh, they defined necessary five times. You know how many times they defined proper? So, you know, it's necessary and proper. This is how you do it. How many times he defined proper? Not once. They never defined proper. So it was like it's like become the necessary and necessary clause. Proper has nothing <laughs> to do with it. Well, proper is that none of these agencies can write these laws, but they're writing 90 percent behind closed doors. So George Washington pointed it out in his farewell address to the nation, September 19, 1796, and he said, he said you cannot take a power of the Congress and give it to a public or private agency for whatever good. He says it's always a good because that power will always end up in the hands of cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men. And this is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. That's exactly what's happened in America. And you look at all the socialists and leftists. They, they want to take the money from these bad top 10 or 1% and give it to the people. Well, what do they want to use as a vehicle to do it? They want to use all these federal agencies. So they're just going to take the very federal agencies that caused this problem, pump them up on steroids, and send them out to do it again. And as that one wolf saying goes, you know, he says, for socialism, you, you can vote yourself in, but you have to shoot your way out. And it's the truth. Because they just muck it up so badly. Well, and, and look what's happening. Uh, and we won't mention it, we won't point out any other countries, but we, we see where that's at, uh, where, where, how that's working in, in other countries. And two of the things that you, you know, mentioned. Uh, you know, again, about bringing the, the power back to the people, which we're definitely for here. There's, you know, term limits, which I think a lot of folks understand. Uh, they get that. Aud- auditing the Fed, uh, you know, we've talked about that here as well. But one thing I don't know if people are as familiar with is, you say, the RAINS Act. Uh, can you give us, a, you know, some detailed information about what that means and what it would mean to support a bill like that? Yeah, the, the, the RAINS Act, R-E-I-N-S, is uh, – Right, like the rain's on a, on, a, on a horse or something. Right, or reining back the federal government, federal agency. It was originally introduced by uh, Rand Paul, just like his father introduced, you know, Ron Paul introduced the, the Fed audit, which is really today, um, it's called the Federal Reserve Transparency Act, uh, House Bill 24, Senate Bill 26. It's passed the House three times. Well, the RAINS Act, it simply says, if you're a federal agency and you are going to write a law that affects $100 billion worth of the economy, which is very easy to do, you can't write that law. That has to go through the entire lawmaking process of the United States Congress. And let me give you a good example because everyone remembers it. Obamacare. Remember when Nancy Pelosi said, well, um, nobody's read it, but we have to pass it to see what's in it. Well, you have to pass it to see what's in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no one read it because theoretically it's 1,250 pages. They only had 24 hours or something. 
But when you understand that that bill, that, that 1,250 pages, it stipulates that the next 12,000 pages are to be written by Health and Human Services, along with the help of, you're right, you bet, Uncle Sam's Club and the billionaires and their lobbyists that write the best laws money can buy. That's what that 12,000 pages is. So what's the result? We pay 18% of the nation's GDP for health care. Don't cover everyone. And the rest of the developed world pays 8% of their GDP and covers everyone. Albeit, we probably do a better job than they do, but not that good. We're paying twice, over twice as much as the rest of the world for health care. And why? It's because you've got a system that allows 90% of the laws to be written behind closed doors by lobbyists at the behest of a bunch of billionaires who write the best laws money can buy. That's why this is, that's where they keep getting their money. Follow the money. If you stop that system, they can't have that money to, to turn and buy this and buy that and buy this politician and buy that. You give them term limits. You know, we got a term limit on the president after FDR because people didn't want a king. Well, we've got a bunch of princes and princesses, dukes and duchesses, pirates and thieves. You've got to have term limits. Ninety-five percent of the American people want it. Why can't we get it? You know, what would I have people say? Well, we never get our. You know, even if they said they do it, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. I said, well, they tell you we're going to. They're not going to vote for them. So by the time you're going to remember, you are not going to vote for them. Term limits. That's all there is. And they do it overnight. If they knew that you were going to leave them and go vote for someone else, they'd do it. But you got a bunch of spineless people in a party. I've been in the precinct committee meetings. They've told me these things. I said, throw a spine. Get some stones, man. Term limits. you got to have uh, well, And I think, Spinham, real quick, I, I mean, and the Republicans, yeah. I don't think they had any spine until Trump got elected. It's, uh, it yeah. seems now like you know his election's kind of infused, the, including Mitch McConnell with the spine. Bingo. Trump gives them a spine. It wasn't for Trump. They they go off in their merry way again, and you, and that's why you know something happened to Trump. They turn on us in a New York second. Yeah, so you know if if I got to Congress, and you know, I I I have these words for the president. I said, "What do you need, and how can I help you?" Well, and a, and a couple things before I bring in uh, another another yeah. caller. I'm sure he's got some comments and yeah. questions for you. Um, uh, when Kelly will get you in shortly, is that you know this one's you know, just kind of a, a yes or no question? Is that and it's, it's yeah. bringing it back to impeachment? Uh, do you think the the Democrats are done, or you think they're just going to continue uh, to try to you know bring up you know more stuff about the impeachment? I know they're still talking about oh well, what if the guess information comes up about Bowen? You know, further information comes out about Bowen. Yeah, do you think they're going to actually try to do another inquiry and do more? You know, another impeachment prior to the this upcoming election. Nadler already announced it. Nancy Pelosi gave us her answer last night at the end of the speech when she ripped up their uh, speech. She told you right there, these people are are so far removed; they've lost total, you know, touch with reality. But I think part of the problem is they know that. you know, it's kind of a desperation. They're, some of them are going to start going to jail. Some of them are going to start getting indicted. Hopefully and Adam Schiff is one of them, in my opinion, maybe even Nadler. Oh. Uh, Adam Schiff, uh, for sure. Com- yeah, start with Tommy, Brennan, Clapper, 
uh, you know, even the, the head of the cave, the current head of the FBI, he's been covering it up too. Ray. <laughs> yeah. There are so many, uh, you know, uh, Susan Rice. I mean, it just goes on and on. There are so many people involved in this. There's probably a good 100, 150. And it goes right up to, you know, President Obama. And I'm not saying, you know, indict Obama and throw him in jail. It probably would just divide the country more. But the rest of these cats, you know, you, you've got to haul them in. You've got to take them to court. You know, they, they've got to be tried. And, you know, I mean, all, all the fingers are going to point back to Hillary and point back to Barack. But, I mean, that's okay. It's about well, time. And, and that's the best we need. The one thing I said, uh, you know, and I hope this isn't the case, uh, but what, I'm spe- what I speculate is that we're going to go through all this hoopla, you know, with Comey and with Adam Schiff. And and with you know what Barr and you know is, is supposed to be investigating, and what Durham's supposed to be investigating, and and I hate to th- say it, but it, what I think is I think nothing's going to happen. I don't think anyone's head's going to roll figuratively, of course. I hope you're wrong. You know, I don't think I don't I don't think there's going to be I don't think anything's going to happen to anybody. I really don't. I think this is just it's, there's not. I, I I think you're right, and I hope you're but I hope you're wrong. Yeah, it's you know, and that's what Trump's up against. So if you tell me, are they going to stop on him? No. They're just going to keep coming. You know, technically, uh, and I studied revolutions my whole life. It was my, you know, study in high, or college and, you know, my senior study. I never stopped. We're halfway through a revolution. You know, Bernie and Trump were stage one. That was the overthrow. And like I was talking before, uh, Trump's mistake when he said, you know, it's not the system, it's the people. I'm going to bring in new people. No, it's the system, and that's what got you elected, Mr. President. And he represents the moderate uh, stage two of a revolution. Well, you know what happens at stage two of a revolution? They're always identified as someone from outside of politics, and they, they always fail. They always get thrown out. And when they get thrown out, that's when you go to stage three, three and that's when the shooting starts. A guy named Crane Britton wrote just a terrific book, probably the Bible on revolutions, back in 1936, called The Anatomy of a Revolution. He took apart the four main uh, revolutions and you know, laid them out. And that's where we're at right now. We're in stage two. All this, these attacks against Trump are part of stage two. I mean, you, you expect them. I've been watching this whole thing. It's like, to me, it's like unfolding in slow motion. I know exactly what's going to happen, and they got to keep on, because that's the old, the ancient regime, and they want back in power. And there are people in the ancient regime from the Republican side; they want back in power. And the way they get back back in power is to get rid of Trump. Well, when they do that, people are going to find it unacceptable and they're going to start shooting. So the question is, are they going to be successful or not? That's what it really comes down to. So that's why, you know, color high water. I support the president. The states are so well, great. And, They're much greater than people think. And, I, and I've been saying this for months, and, I, and this is another thing I hope I'm wrong about. Uh, and I'm not saying it would be as, as nasty or as bloody uh, as the first one, but I mean, I genuinely think just because I've been following politics in South, you know, for 30 years, and I've never seen the level of vitriol and, and, and hatred, not not only for the politicians. <laughs> between the politicians, 
but by the actual people who you know support one side or the other. I, I mean, I've disliked liberals and, and Democrats, but then people I see have disliked liberal and Democrats, and, and them dislike conservatives and Republicans. But no, it, it is a hate. It, we're, I think we're headed to. I think we may very well be headed to a civil war. Well, that's what revolution, civil war, same thing. But that's exactly what's happening. But you know, do you know what a revolution is ultimately? It is a governmental bankruptcy of the people. It's an economic deal. Follow the money. Always follow the money. It's all economics. And when the government threatens the people with bankruptcy, which it's basically done, they concentrated all this wealth, more wealth concentrated than in you know 100 years. We essentially had a revolution in the 30s or the 1880s, 90s. Now, same thing. You have this huge concentration of wealth, divides the people. It's an economic thing. The government's bankrupt. The only way out is a reorganization. And basically that's what I'm talking about, a reorganization, reorganizing the daily operating model of government so the government no longer rules the people, but the people rule the government. And that's what drives my entire program. That's what drives my let the people rule. Three bills. I picked out three that are already popular, already out there. I want to reinvent the wheel. And I've been doing this since 2012. And I kept trying to get other Congress people who were running to join in. Finally got a guy, and he decided not to run, so I ran to run. And I'm running again because I went to this girl, and I said, hey, I know you really want it, you know, but this is really important. It's not me. It's the country. And for her, it's her and not the country. And, you know, like I said, I got 90,000 people that voted for me last time. And, you know, I've got a responsibility there. And I got to, I've got to carry it. I've got to stay with it. So I mean, against all odds, you know, they got all the money, they got the party, but you know what? Uh, just like people rejecting the, the leadership of the Democratic Party, at least in Illinois, they're starting to reject it here because it is so corrupt. Oh, I mean, speaking of 2012, I mean, that's that, that's when we began the show. You know, we began Bard's Logic, and and, and one of the things we've been saying is, you know. Like, Almost everybody, uh, I think almost everybody in Congress and Senate should be primaried out and get just all fresh, fresh people in there. We've been saying that for you know seven years, almost a decade. Primary them all out, you know, or most of them, and and, and get you know get get some new folks in there. Um, And I do got uh, one more question, and I want to bring. I actually have more than that, but I do want to bring bring Kelly in as well. Um, And this is also. when you're talking about, you know, energy, you know, you mentioned it also in, in debate about energy and explained uh, now one to a support investment. And we know what investment means when they're saying we're investing in something, basically putting taxpayers dollars towards something. Uh, but, with, you know, what's your thoughts on, you know, would you support investment in energy, especially regarding uh, like research into nuclear fusion? Cause I know you mentioned something about uh, SMRs. And so if you can explain a little bit about uh, the SMRs are, and then also, you know, would that be something, but, you know, would you support, you know, like, you know, research and and funding for nuclear fusion? And then I'll bring Kelly in. Go ahead. First first off, any decisions made on uh, CO2 and climate change is absolutely absurd. And if you take the route that they're taking now, they want to do it all with uh, sunlight, photovoltaics, and windmills. Look what happened to Germany. They used to be a net exporter of power, 
They have to import power, and their power costs are going right through the roof. All of it is, you know, to, to take out all oil and replace it with all electric, uh, with photovoltaic and windmills or in waves, you have to build the equivalent of 11,000 uh, tanker ships a day for 20 years. Now, you talk about the carbon footprint of that. Uh, you can do that to a certain extent, but you're never really going to get away from oil. You're never going to get away from coal, but you can. we can start really focusing on these small nuclear reactors. They call them small modular reactors. You can bring them in on a, a, a train. Uh, they stick in the ground. They're part uranium, but mostly thorium, and they cannot melt down. If there's a meltdown, the heat is so small that the heat dissipates into the ground, and it cannot melt down. And you, you don't end up with a weapons-grade uh, dangerous material. And thorium's all over the place. They've got stockpiled because it's, it's junk, and they don't know what to do with it. And we've got probably 75 universities and labs in the United States that have a lot of, they've already done a lot of work on this. This is where we should be putting our money. I mean, windmills are strictly a, a tax dodge right now. And so you really got to go to something that works when the sun's not shining, when the wind's not blowing. And the other nice thing about it is that it's decentralized. Now, if you wouldn't put electric cars on everything, the electric grid can't handle it. But are they going to beef up the electric grid to four, ten times the cables in the uh, towers across the United States? Why? You know, what the cost, the materials, I mean, it's absolutely insane. Make the power where the people are. And it goes back to central decentralization. My whole program, term limits, that let the people rule, decentralizes government. You have to decentralize power. You have to decentralize money. You have to push all those powers back, whichever way you can, closer to the people, and let them make the decisions. If you don't, you're going to be handing the, the reins of government and power and money off to, you know, a very few people. It's, you know, it's going to be uh, cunning, ambitious, and principled men and women. This is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. Now, the only thing that Washington allowed to have to happen to him was he allowed the uh, Article 1, Section 8, Paragraph 5. Congress has control of money, and he regretted it. He didn't have to tell people what he was talking about. He was talking about a bunch, about a bunch of bankers, the banksters, and you cannot go down that route. It's a structural item. It's a reorganization of the government because we're bankrupt. What are you doing to your bankruptcy? You reorganize the corporation. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, hey, it's a bankruptcy. We're going to reorganize the corporation. If I can get in there, I think I can talk to President Trump because he understands bankruptcy. He understands that's exactly what has to be done. But somebody has to be there reminding people, making it clear, keeping it simple, driving it home, driving it home, driving it home. And that's what my campaign's all about. And, and lastly, before uh, before I bring Kelly in, and what's your thoughts on you know, again investments into like nuclear fusion? Uh, and that's the we we talk a lot, not a lot, but we do talk about you know at, at times here on the show, right. especially since Trump's talking about you know the you know the Artemis project, you know going to the to moon, and one of the reasons for that is the you know harvest helium three uh, for nuclear fusion. So that's kind of you know part of it. And remember, for every one dollar that's uh, invested in a space program, you know, we really get about $10 back in economic uh, growth. So, 
Yeah. I'd have to see those. Somebody would have to prove those numbers to me. But, yeah, you got to – we have to put money into uh, small nuclear reactors. And like I said, there are universities all, the place, all over the place. What you got to really do is start making it tax-friendly. They move the tax friendly away from, you know, the uh, windmills. The windmills are probably the most absurd and bad use of power and uh, for renewable energy. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense. You're going to just start doing that. Do it on a larger, larger scale. Do it, you know, with, uh, you know, small regional areas and do it with, uh, you know, small mod, modular reactors. That's, that's the wave of the future. That will buy us another 20 years. By then, you know, maybe we can master, uh, you know, Tesla's free energy, where we're exploiting the difference in um, power from in the ground to up in the sky. Now, you know, if you're familiar with, uh, you ever had a magnet when you're a kid and a piece of paper and a bunch of iron filings? You know, all those no. lines <laughs> in that magnetic field, you can exploit the difference in power, you know. It sounds kind of crazy, but that's what Tesla was talking about. They did a pretty good job of it. They just kind of X'd it out. And, but it's, it's a technology that can, you know, we could rediscover, but it's going to take years. And I think small nuclear reactors can really bridge that. You know, I think this country's in for some tough times. I think this world's in for some tough times. You know, I think we're getting into a global cooling. The, earth, the sun's basically shutting down. They're worried about uh, global warming. We got global cooling. It's going to be a real problem. You know, one of my one of my big things. I'm in a big farming area here, and I'm pushing what I call the the Flyover America Act, and that is to uh, restore the grain reserve. It would uh, probably lift prices about a buck, bail out the farmers, and uh, build a lot of uh, grain elevators on farmer occupied or uh, uh, co-op land, and uh, it has to be done. I mean, it, it, there's some biblical wisdom there. They used to deal with climate change back, you know, three, 4,000 years ago. This is how they did it. They had grain reserves. We don't do that. We rely on farmers around. we got to, you know, start getting more involved with something like that. That's something that I can see the government should do. I think it would be a big boost for farming. So the biggest threat to farming right now, like I said, is the, the, the grain farming uh, crap that's coming out of the Democrats. Uh, you know, and this whole climate uh, change legislation garbage based on insanity. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. There there are a lot of problems cropping up. We're just starting to see the tip of them. It's going to be hell on wheels here, I think, for the next 10 years. So, um, yeah, if uh, people are gracious enough to uh, invest their vote in me, I'll certainly follow through for them. And uh, yeah, no playing around. I'm going to represent the people. And if it uh, helps out the party, that's great. But my concern and my allegiance is to the people. Because that's what I'm, I'm one of them. I'm from here. The drone running against them, like you said, it's from Chicago. You know, the Chicago Republican is a liberal Democrat out here. That's what it is. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of like yeah, kind of like Hawaii probably or or. Uh, we got a gentleman uh, from uh, coming from Delaware running for Senate next uh, next week. Uh, but let's go ahead, and, and John, we'll get you in as well. Um, but let's go ahead, and, uh, and I appreciate your patience, Kelly, uh, to get Kelly in. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing okay, okay. 
So you're running from uh, – uh, I'm, I'm glad you're running, sir. We just need more people uh, that like the Constitution to run. So you're running for Congress from Illinois? Yeah. Okay. Um, are you an independent or uh, – No, I'm a Republican. Or, uh, yeah, oh, you are a Republican. Illinois, okay. To run in Illinois, if you run outside of one of the major parties, like I needed 597 signatures. If I ran as mm-hmm. an independent or anything, I would need 34,000 signatures. That's oh, my gosh. We talk about that? Illinois. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that and how that's not fair either. Talk about not being represented. <laughs> yeah, did I, did I tell you Illinois is corrupt? Uh, yeah, I heard that uh, maybe once or twice. Um, yeah. yeah, Ohio's <laughs> trying to play those games too that you need so many signatures if you're – not in the club of the R&D, but uh, yes. anyway, I, I wanted to throw some things out that might help you campaign. Um, let's see. Do you fully understand your investigative powers if you become a congressman? Uh, as a committee, I, yeah, yeah, as a congressman, you pick up the phone. I'm pretty good at digging things up on my own. You start calling around here, congressman, you're going to get a lot of answers. Other than that, the full depth of it? No, I probably not. I'm not an attorney. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what the correct answer is when somebody. What, what, what's the do, answer? Do you know? Yeah. Um. Well, if the House delegates to a committee you're on, and the committee delegates to you, you can do an awful lot. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, you know open, what? It's open. Yeah, it's open. Uh, right, cause, it's open field. Oh, yeah, because one of the most important duties, you know, really in order, the most important duties of a congressman or even any elected uh, official legislative body, be it city councils, county supervisors or commissioners, state house legislature. First duty, of course, is to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The number, the, the second most important duty is what? I just want to see if you know the answer to that question. Besides representing the people, I'm not quite sure where you're going. What's the second? At least this is my opinion, but I think you'll agree when you hear the answer. The second most important uh, function of an elected legislature, uh, you you think it's representing the people? Yeah, the best interest of the people. That's probably probably an economic monetary thing, run a balanced budget. Well, I mean, I know that helps, but under the Constitution to protect and defend it, no, of course, you have. Don't tell me where you want to go with this. So we, you know, I'm trying to tell you. Uh, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm trying to tell you. Just go right ahead. Investigate the executive branch and the various departments to make sure there's no corruption, inefficiencies, waste. That is one of the prime duties of any legislative body. Is Oversight, I guess one word, oversight of the executive branch. Of course, representation, too, is in there. Let me me share with you how I I would intend to do that. If you you, uh, pass the three bills of uh, let the people rule, you can't ask – Congress doesn't have the time to run all these federal agencies. Now, there are three types of federal agencies, public. Independent, private. Public are like US EPA, helping human services, education, etc. 
Now, if mm-hmm. you go into any county in any state in the United States, you're going to find a county office of each of those public agencies. So, what, in, in order to for the Rains Act to work, okay, Congress is going to give a broad stroke on something, and then they're going to say, okay, we're going to allocate this much money. Let's go to the state and the state EPA, the state education, the state health and human services. You guys got to figure it out. Now we're going to have 50 different states, 50 different uh, agencies uh, trying to do it right. Somebody's going to figure it out. It's going to be impossible for the lobbyists to go out there and lobby all these 50 people. That's why they've centralized all this power in the federal government. That's You have to decentralize it. Now you've got your independent agencies. All these independent agencies, FDA, uh, USDA to an extent, really, SEC, FDA, um, and that's such. They were because Congress doesn't have so much to do. Now you've fired all these people in the federal because you in the U.S. EPA you're probably you're going to need maybe uh, 55 people and a plate of attorneys to help back up a state when they've got uh, a gorilla they have to fight. But it, you, thousands of people are going to be out of work in, the, in Washington, D.C. Um, well, you're, going to, you're going to take, you push all that power out, and then Congress is going to have to look over and run these independent agencies a lot closer than they are. The CAA, all of them, FDA. When you take the U.S. EPA and you start shipping it back to the states, and the USDA, you're going to take there's like, let's take the US EPA, how they've handled uh, glyphosate for one. It's a real bad one. It's created all these autistic kids. It's kind of created, a, you know, a, uh, with vaccines, with metals, and you throw in glyphosate, which those up in Cheerios, 1,250 parts per billion, and 10 parts per billion will give a fish liver cancer. Uh, it creates all these autistic kids. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Nobody will ever convince me otherwise. Um, you're going to push all these powers. Right now, the, the EPA could get away with it because they've handled part of glyphosate. The FDA handled part of uh, glyphosate. The USDA was even way back. You had these three federal agencies dealing with probably one of the most uh, dangerous chemicals to the American people, creates obesity. You mean glyphosate? Uh, Gross. Yeah. Glyphosate, uh, okay. Alzheimer's. Whatever you want to call it. It's the worst stuff that it kills all these bees. It, I could go on and on and on, but it's not necessary. But now that glyphosate or glyphosate, whatever you want to call it, is going to end up with one agency, and it's going to be an independent agency, and it's going to come right under the thumb of the Congress. No more decking around, no more hiding. It's, there's it's all going to be dealt with in the public forum. And whatever law and whatever decisions are going to be made on chemicals like that, they're going to be made on the floor of the United States Congress. They're going to be introduced, debated, compromised, and voted on right there. Instead of behind closed doors with some, you know, uh, agency uh, employee that wants to get a job with Monsanto, which is now bare after they've been in there. And it goes back again to you. You want to change the team, you have to change the system. It's a total reorganization of the government. That's what I'm proposing. It's kind of a sneaky way to do it, but here are three bills. 
everyone supports them. They're simple. They're already out there. They already have broad support. Pass them. And all of a sudden, they're going to have a tiger by the tail. And they're going to have to start reorganizing all these different things. Now, I'm talking about a real solid structural change. We don't necessarily have to do away with government. We're just going to transfer its powers and push it back to the states, push it back to the counties, closer to the people. Now, if you're a farmer, yeah, well, you have a problem. Uh, yeah. hey, what are you going to do? Do you think it's easier to call your congressman and drive to Washington, or is it easier to get a hold of your state rep or state senator drive down to Springfield? Let me tell you, you start putting that power closer to the people, you're going to start getting better decisions. You're going to start cutting up the billionaires, writing the laws to make them more money and take it away from you. Yeah, well, here's, here's I like I like what you're saying. Um, what I've heard from a lot of politicians is they're going to go clean up Washington. If you have a very specific plan, then you'll get a lot more votes. Like, for example, 18 U.S.C. 1504, you can actually go to a grand jury. you got concerns about glyphosate. Um, you write a letter of concern if you're a congressman. Invoking 18 U.S.C. 1504, you wish to appear before a grand jury. And it's going to be hard for the Justice Department to deny a congressman to get before a grand jury. You tell them what's going on, and you ask grand jury to investigate. Federal grand jury. That would be a very powerful thing to do. That's a real specific tip on how to clean up corruption. Another thing I would hope – well, let me ask. I'll put it in the form of a question. You've heard of corporate lobbyists, Monsanto, et cetera. Okay. Um, would you introduce a bill that would somehow penalize a corporate lobbyist? When the harm uh, Americans are harmed or tremendous profit come about because of corporate lobbyists, I'm, I'm a libertarian. I'm not a. I'm not a Democrat. You, know, you, you can't do that because you, you, you've got you, you can petition the government. That's part of our constitution. Yes, you, oh, that is correct. You, you right. We yeah. have the right so to assemble you, peacefully you, and you, petition. You can't go out trying to put in a bandage on this problem and that problem. Because that's not the problem. The problem is the system. You have it's the to, structure is what you're saying. You're going to solve all problems right now at the same time. Quit dicking around. And once you get them out there, that's why, you know, let the people rule. People understand that. Here's three bills. Real simple. People understand that. It's complicated. And that's complicated for them. You try and get, you know, and I know everybody, well, I'm going to make this little band-aid for this. You know, it's like having a computer system. And you start putting up firewalls, and you put more firewalls, more firewalls, and more firewalls. Well, someday you know one of those firewalls is going to break, and it's going to be like a domino, and the whole system is going to crash. Well, that's what's going to happen. America is going to change. We are going to change. In these next five to ten years, this country isn't going to look like it does right now. It's going to change. Uh, how's it going to change? I don't know. But if you're not there prepared and you have a plan, you're going to get completely deep sick. Uh, right now, you've got a bunch of small shirts, you've got Bernie, you've got all these young kids that have swallowed this garbage hook, line, and sink. And they're the young votes. You're losing a bunch of old people, conservative Trump votes. You know, each year, more young people are coming in. They keep feeding them this garbage on their telephone. They keep believing it. You've got to. Well, I mean, look at well, look at look at look at Iowa. I mean, look who's get look who's uh, the two people on the top. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, on the top of Iowa, you have Buttigieg and uh, and, and Bernie. <laughs> so, just tell me, you have to change the system. You have to structurally, you mean? You know, yeah. You, 
you have to show people and young people, sir, somebody has to be there to explain to them, you know what? The, the people that got us into this problem aren't going to get you out with more of the same. Here's the way to go. We're going to give power back to the people. We're going to shout power back to the states. Get the power close to you. People rule, not government rule of the people. Just make it real simple for them and keep beating it out of them. And once they vote, yeah, term limits, I like term limits. You wouldn't believe how many young people like an audit of the Federal Reserve. They jump at that. You know what else they like? They say they're tired of endless war. So am I. And that is a product of the centralized government. These people that keep running uh, endless war, they're there because they have centralized money with centralized power, and they go out and buy politicians left and right. you gotta, you got to interrupt that entire system. It feeds into the system. The system's broken. It's going to fail. It's already failed. It's going to explode. It's going to turn to shit. And when it does, and it's going to, you better be ready with a plan. Because we're going, when you go into stage three of a revolution, you better have a plan. And that's where the country's at. That's exactly where it's at. We're right in the middle of a revolution. No one knows it. You know, oh, we're going to have a revolution. We're going to have a civil war. They think it, that starts when people start shooting. No, it doesn't. Historically, it starts way before that. And we're so deep into stage two. Yeah. We're in a lot of trouble here. Look at look around. Look at the country. You think it's going to get more or less divided going into the election and after the election? Oh mm-hmm. my God! Can you can you briefly describe the stages of from your studies of a revolution? Yeah, the first stage is turning. Great Britain called it the turning of the intellectuals, and that is that was Bernie and Trump. Trump got elected. He became the moderate government. The mistake. It's always somebody from out of government. And if their first mistake is it's not the system, it's the people, I'm going to bring in the right people and make the system work. No, you're not. The reason you got elected is because the system failed. That's stage two. That, that, that moderate leader is attacked from inside government. We've seen that with Trump, Project Veritas. Uh, they're attacked from outside the government. Brand new Congress, the new Democrats, new Justice Democrats, Social Democrats, um, and from within his own party. And you see that happen in the English Revolution, French Revolution, our Revolution, you know, Russian Revolution. You know something else you you see in revolutions? You see these huge sex scandals. Marquis de Sade in France, King King George in the Hellfire Club during our Revolution. Yeah, you know, it was it was in London. It was the same. Uh, Rasputin, who was really a, a, a mystic, uh, you know, Satanist. There's a crazy sex operation there. Same thing with Marquis de Sade. Same thing with, you know, the Hellfire Club. They, they're in underground caverns, cavorting with what they said was the devil. Basically, the spirit cookie. Exactly what Hillary Clinton does with her favorite spirit cookers. It's the walk. It's a, you know, it's a California thing. You know, the movie stars. It's it's. I won't get into that part of it, but you know, you have the same. Who, who got rid of Rasputin? A bunch of princes and uh, dukes, because he didn't incriminate them into the same you know thing with uh, Catherine the Great. She was found in anything that moved. Her bodyguards were all you know picked for their sexual proneness. I mean, it was absolutely insane. So you, you see these repeating things in in a revolution. We're right in the middle of it. You know, Epstein. You know. Epstein didn't kill himself, you know. Everyone knows what that is. Nobody believes that. 
it's it, we're 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 deep into it, and people don't understand it. And it's going to happen. And this government is going to fail. This system cannot exist. It's it's a it's a monetary thing. And it's the whole world. It's not just the United States. You we are going to be forced before too long, and probably with uh, this uh, kung flu, it's going to hit the economy so hard that they no matter what they do, they can't hold it together, and they're just going to have to start pumping money into it. And the key thing to watch for is when interest rates going start going up because inflation's so bad. When that happens, the game's over because that inflation compounding, you'll never catch up. And you'll have to have a total reorganization, a reset monetarily worldwide. It's coming. I will guarantee you it's coming. President Trump's right on top of it. He says, hey, we're going to have to – the girl that he – the lady he nominated for the Fed – it's bigger than a gold standard. It's going to have to be a gold standard of some type. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. And they're just waiting for that day. And that day is coming, I'll guarantee it. And if there's not somebody like me or someone like Ron Paul or someone there saying, hey, this is the problem. This is the solution. Keep it simple. Yeah. It's the government ruling the people. People have to rule the government. We're going to structurally change the government. You're going to end up with a bunch of socialists. And we're going to end up shooting our way out of it. That's just the way it is. The third stage is that the shooting, when the the the, the one who loses the least after the fighting's over, that's called stage four. That's the Thermidor, which goes back to July, which they called Thermidor in Revolutionary France, which is when they stopped cutting everybody's head off. And it's a pulling off. It's a generational thing, where the one that lost the least consolidates his powder power and becomes the new government. But if it's a, a socialist or a communist government, they all last for seven years. That's all the communist government lasts for. Look at China hasn't started their revolution, but they've been holding it back. It's about to explode. They've got four fam they've got four um, plagues going. Yeah uh, their hog, bird, uh the the Wuhan, and what's the other one? Uh, There's another one out there. And now they've got, you know, they're going to have famine. You know, it's, what, they've lost, uh, um, they say, two-thirds of their hogs. And this this virus, you you see it slip out today. They had 154,000 cases, 25,000 deaths. It's not 24,000 people that are sick and, you know, 500 or 600 dead. It's 25,000. The thing's already out. Now, in a month, it's going to be clear that, hey, Foxconn isn't opening. All these things are going to start, it's going to start happening fairly soon. And it's going to be driven primarily by, you know, what's the what's the straw that breaks the camel's back? I think it's this flu. And I don't think anybody's dealing with it honestly. Certainly not the Chinese. They never told us the truth about anything. They don't tell the truth about their economy. They didn't tell the truth about SARS epidemic when it broke out. If you look at that death ratio, that's 16% death. 16% of everybody that catches that dies, according to the information that's leaked out today. You know, once they, it's, it's, brought, it's going to break out around the world. It's going to be here in the United States. People are not ready. And if it gets cold, then you do get uh, this. Uh, monitor minimum for the next 10, 20, 30 years, you're going to have shortened uh, growing periods. You're going to have you know, crop failures. 
more in the southern hemisphere than the north. That's why I'm saying, hey, you got to have a, uh, you, you've got to have a, hey, you, you've got to well, have. Well, it's getting a, kind of it sounds like you got a party a going on over there. <laughs> well, it's out here at the uh, uh, Dylan's this uh, little family bar here to watch the Blackhawks play uh, the Boston Bruins, and um, I'm a big hockey fan. I, I love hockey. I still play. I've been playing for 60 years. You don't stop. So I'm kind of here with people in the door. Yeah, it sounds like a party, but uh, yeah. Well, let's go Go ahead. ahead. I know John's been on the line. He's been uh, been wanting to get in uh, for a while. Uh, So let's go ahead and uh, and we'll bring things back to you, Kelly. Uh, But let's go ahead and bring in John. Uh, Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? And then I also want to do a check-in on – when you're done, we do want to get a – you're welcome. Uh, check on you know how much time that you know our guest. I mean, he could stay the entire show if he wants, but I don't know if that's something that's open for him. Um, but I know uh, when I spoke to Arlen, he said you know maybe about 45 minutes, which has been over that. And I mean, hey, we're happy with that. That's great. But I, of course, I want to respect his time as well. And so, um, you got some time to to, to, to speak some more. Uh... Go ahead. Bill. Yeah, I'm here as long as you guys need me. Okay, great. Well, then let's get, go ahead, John. I just wanted to make sure because it has been past the, the time that it, that was first allotted, but I still want to you know, respect that. But, yeah, he's welcome to uh, stay for as long as he likes. Go ahead, John. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I, I caught your name. I know it was Bill, but uh, there's approximately an hour and 50 minutes left, so uh, it would be awesome if you wanted to hang around and inform us. Um, but uh, my first question was, um, are you on a speakerphone or a speakerphone mode on your device? Yeah. Is there a is there a way to switch it to regular phone mode? Because the signal is drastically different. When you get off this call, go download the podcast and listen to the difference in your signal compared to the host and the other people calling in. And I think that has a psychological impact on the people who are listening to you. Oh, well, let me see if it, the problem is I have oh, is that better? Is that better? I, I heard you're fine uh, myself, but, I mean, I'm not listening to the show over the over a computer, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was, I, I it was kind of fun to me. I, I, I couldn't hear you and answer any of your questions if uh, if I take it off. So I'm having a hard time making out what you're saying. Yeah, sometimes I start talking too fast. No, um, it's the quality okay. of the signal. That's why I was saying if you get the podcast yeah. after the sh- after the show, you know, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Bard's Logic Political Talk with a hyphen in between each word, and you can download the podcast, and then you can hear the difference between your signal, the host speaking, and any callers calling in. And Kelly, the one caller, as well as the host, when they were speaking, it was clean and clear, and I could make out every word they were saying. But when you were speaking, I was just catching, you know, probably half of it and having to figure out where you were going based on my own previous experience of what Uh. I've heard other people say. Sure, sure. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to share that with you as a as a, a vote of confidence moving forward. Whenever you're actually campaigning, the better you sound to everybody else, the more psychological and the subconscious um, credibility comes across to them, and they don't have to try to 
hypothesize in their mind what they thought they heard you say. Uh, you're exactly right. I appreciate uh, you pointing that out to me, and I'll see what I can do about it here and going forward in the future. Thank you. Yeah, you're more welcome. I appreciate it. I think I pretty much like most of what I was hearing you say, if I understood it correctly. I was curious, though, um, in the response of making sure that all of us legal, you know, legitimately legal United States citizens are actually getting to be self-governing free people. Um, have you ever thought of having line item veto power for each and every American so that way nobody who gets into office, you know, one of our positions that are supposed to be our managers and our uh, administrators, they don't use it like they are the kings and rulers and trying to use the government as a weapon to whip us into submission to their agenda. With line item veto, you and I, each one of us, have the right to stop these people from using the government as a weapon. That way we don't have to pick up weapons to, you know, get the governing rough shot off our back. Yeah, I would support a line item veto for the chief executive, uh, for the chief magistrate, whatever you want to call him, the president. Um, the South, the Confederacy had that and almost uh, survived. Because of that, uh, Jefferson Davis had the power of a line item veto, and it, 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 it's very effective. In fact, the difference between the Confederate uh, Constitution and our Constitution, the United States Constitution, pretty much came down, I think, uh, to uh, the line item veto. And the nice thing about it is that it, it puts one person on the spot, and people can't pass off. Oh, well, I voted for this, and, you know, I tried. But, no, one person on the hot seat can't hide. Yeah, that's the person. The chief executive, chief magistrate, president, whatever you want to call him, he should have the uh, line item veto. Here's everyone. I mean, that's why we have elections, to elect people to, to do that, I think. Yeah, well, with the duopoly system, with the Democrats and Republicans parties being pretty much run roughshod by the big money interest, you know, all those wealthy folks sit on the board of directors on the multinational corporations, and then they're using the data mining and the technology industrial complex in order to know everything about everybody. That way, when you apply for a job, they don't have to hire people that are independently minded, you know, that stand for self-governing, and therefore they just subvert you, and the Warren World government takes over through the corporation, and how does the individual not get run roughshod that way when they don't have the means to be able to make sure that their voice is being heard when the represent, representatives say they're representing yeah. all the people, yeah. but they're only representing you like a pimp represents a prostitute, like, you know, rendering you a legislative slave. Well, that's, that's why you got to, you know, you have to restructure the government. You have to change the system, the daily operating model of the system. Basically, you're taking the steering way, steering wheel away from a small group of people, and you're giving it to everyone. So I guess I would say that you're achieving the same personal light item veto power by restructuring the government and having term limits. Having an audit of the Federal Reserve. The Federal, Federal Reserve will never survive an audit. And once people find out what their 
they've been doing. And I think it's just a, an audit of their 2010 housing program with the banks. Once that's documented, that'll be the end of the Federal Reserve as we know it today. And the RAINS Act pulls back these other powers. You essentially take away, you, you close Uncle Sam's uh, club. You know, like I said, everybody else was Sam's club here. Well, all these agencies, that's Uncle Sam's club. you got to be a billionaire. Well, I'm going to close Uncle Sam's club. I'm going to turn it into a farmer's market. That's my objective. And once you do that, you know, these, these boards, these corporations, they don't have that power anymore. So it's, you know, the line item veto, yeah, the president, that essentially gives the, the people that line item veto you're talking about because it pushes the powers back to the counties where the people are, back to the states. Takes it away from the lobbyists and the, the billionaires. So you, you have to change the system. Uh, you know, anytime somebody comes up with an ID, I, idea, you know, I want to change. I'm going to put a band-aid on this. I'm going to have this fixed for that. I'm going to have this fixed for that. No, 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 you're not. Until you change the system, uh, you're throwing water into the wind. It's just going to come back and splash on you. You have to change the system. Short of that, you're wasting your time. That's why I'm so adamant on, you know, liberty. Uh, at first, I called it liberty legislation. I call it let the people rule because people understand let the people rule. They're the people. They want to rule. That's basically what you want to achieve with uh, a line item, personal line item. We'll get there. We just have to do it and change the system so that the power is back to the people and out of the hands of a small group of people. It's decentralizing government, essentially. But, you know, three bills, term limits, Fed audit, rain Act, changes the entire operating model of government. People don't understand how it would structurally change the government. It'd be a revolution in the government. It, 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 it'd be earth-shattering. Three simple bills, add them all up, bang. Yeah, there, there's a synergy there, and it all ends, and the people are back in control. That's my objective. I'll, I'll preach it so I'm blue in the face or so they shoot me or whatever. So does that mean that the Constitution is just not being adhered to and we have a perverted interpretation? Because every person you talk to, if That's you ask them exactly if they understand the Constitution, they all have their own individual interpretation. Well, basically it's taking Article One, Section 8, taking all those powers and duties of the Congress and handed them over to all these federal agencies. And that's the problem. We have to take all those powers and give them back to the Congress so they do their job. Congress doesn't do its job. We don't follow the Constitution. We haven't for years. They've been going on. It really accelerated after, you know, with Nixon shock and Nixon, Ford, uh, Carter, and Reagan. I mean, it's, you know, it just people keep adding layers. It goes back to my conversation. You know, we were talking about how did, where did they get the license to do this? It was the, the McCullough versus Maryland. It was a in 1819 when you had this world uh, depression. And they said it was the first one. It was really the second one. First one was in the 1790s. But the uh, second U.S. Bank had been created in 1816, and they did a bunch of liar loans. Uh, out of all the loans, they had five branches, and probably 80% of their liar loans came out of Baltimore and Maryland. And 
what the state did, they wanted to sue uh, so that they could tax and regulate the uh, second U.S. bank. And the bank had a strong man uh, named McCullough. It was McCullough versus Maryland. And basically he said, no, Congress has the power to assign its Article One, Section 8, Paragraph 5, duty to control money. And that's beyond the control of the states. And uh, like I mentioned before, the in that case, the Supreme Court came down um, and defined the you know, necessary and proper clause. It defined it necessary five times. They never defined proper. So they took the necessary and proper clause and essentially made it the necessary but not necessarily proper clause. And what makes it not necessarily proper is that it's allowed these agencies now to write all these laws. Just as an interesting side note, the uh, president of the Baltimore Bank that wrote all the bad uh, money deals, he was a, a young senator from Pennsylvania. His name was uh, James Buchanan. 15th president, arguably the worst president we've ever had. And just prior to Lincoln. And then look how there's a crook right there. And what's the end of the end of being Secretary of State? He's, you know, ends up being the President of the United States, Speaker of the House. I mean, a man of great honor. What is he? He's a damn crook. He's a crook from the get go because they had the centralized power, because they gave the power of Congress to regulate money in exchange and gave it to the second U.S. Bank. They had learned from the first one. Yeah, it's, and we've done the same thing. We gave it to them. They've had it for over 100 years. What was once a dollar is now worth a penny, maybe. Great job. Yeah, we uh, we lost John's call, but he did uh, he did call back in. Uh, now, one thing I, I did have slotted. Uh, I'm multitasking. I'm getting... I'm getting text and messages all the while I'm on the show, but that's okay. Um, you know, one yeah. thing I did have slotted, but I, I don't think we're going to have time uh, tonight, so maybe we'll just have it as part of our, our conversation, is I did have uh, keyed up the State of the Union address in its entirety now. That was about an hour and 19 minutes long. We only got about an hour and a half left of, of the, uh, the show, so uh, we probably won't get to that. Maybe next. Well, I don't even know if we will next week. We, you know, we'll have guests on uh, next week and the week after that, and probably even the, the week after that. Uh, but that, yeah, it's kind of one of the things um, you know what to turn to uh, to see. You know, we could get on other topics. I do have some other questions as long as uh, the guests can uh, can stay. But Bill, did you uh, get the opportunity? Uh, you know, I know you're campaigning. Uh, but did you get the opportunity to see the State of the Union last night? To see the what? The State of the Union address last night. Yeah, and uh, I, I read it this morning, which works better for me. I, I like to so you, did you get the ripped up version or you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I couldn't help myself ripped. on that one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, as, some, as someone myself who's seen all of the uh, all of his uh, city union so far, uh, how would you rank this this past one? I thought it was I thought it was great. I agree with Chris Matthews. You know, he he really he really hit a lot of key things. 
you know, basically said, hey, game on. I'm not surrendering. You know, the, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be we're we're serious. So I think that's the uh, you know the way it is. I think that's the way it should be. Well, I know there's some, and and I did. Uh, I have a there's a local uh, talk show host here uh, who has Judge Napolitano on uh, every Wednesday morning at eight thirty. Now I can't stand Judge there's Napolitano. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's uh, I think he's a liberal in libertarian's clothing. Um, he swears no, up and down a he's a libertarian, but I don't think I don't think that's the case. No. he's a, he's a denizen of the deep state swamp. He he's a propagandist. He's a sheep in wolf clothing. He's a traitor. He's kind of like Mitt Romney, but uh, <laughs> which I've never liked. Oh yeah, well there's another one. There's a guy with his his own people, his own. Ex-CIA agent for his hedge fund on the Bursima uh, board, along with Hunter uh, Biden. You know, because you know, Mick Mick could go to jail too. I mean, he's right there. He's right there. You know, dealing uh, Ukraine like they did in Russia after uh, Boris Yeltsin. They did the same thing in the Ukraine. And Mitt was right into it big. He stole more money out of uh, Ukraine than maybe Hunter Biden, Hunter and Joe. So I, I understand the crook, but he's still a crook. What uh, well, we we uh, you know just did it earlier in the show. We we uh, we started in 2012 and. And a little background there is when I first started the show was actually uh, I was the volunteering, you know, as part of the volunteer, the grassroots uh, campaign for Newt Gingrich when he was running for president in 2012. And so, you know, we really looked into a lot of things and did a lot of research about Romney, uh, namely his dealings with Bain Capital. Uh, so we, we talked a lot about that, talked about, you know, corruption uh, with him. And, and, and I mentioned earlier, I mean, We've been talking about wanting to address corruption for you know decades, literally almost a hundred years. We finally get a president who's actually trying to do something, and then you've got the the complicit you know propaganda arm of the DNC, aka the what I call the alphabet media, uh, to have pretty much convinced almost, and I think people are um, you know catching on to this that you know that they they actually believe that Trump is corrupt. And I, I we've said this a lot here. You know, you know, if you want to investigate and, and check out people, check out the people that are rich after or while <laughs> they've been in office. Those are the people <laughs> you really need to look into what they're what they've yeah. been up to. It's it's the same people that you know run the government. The, the reason those people have power is because of the system. The system gives them that power. It centralizes the power, so a bunch of sociopaths can. And, and, and psychopaths can, you know, go out and write the best laws money can buy and put money in their pocket. You know, it's, it's like having a light on in the summer at, at night. You're going to attract a ton of insects. The bigger the light, the more insects. Making a small light, you're not going to attract as many insects. Decentralized power. You're going to attract 
sociopaths and psychopaths. If the power is not there, there's nothing for them to uh, fight for, to work for, or to put themselves in the position so they can do that sort of thing. And it goes right back to what I, you know, I say and I keep saying. You've got to change the system. The system's failed. It's going to fail. It's going to have a when it when it wrecks, it's going to be a train wreck, and somebody better be there with the proper ID ideas and knowledge and you know specific legislation and programs to say, hey, this is the way. We missed that in 2008. Everybody sat around like a you know a duck that got hit in the head with a board. You know, everybody sat around till you know. Uh, you know, Paulson came in and, you know, told Congress, well, we need $750 billion. Which is a lot of money then. It's not anymore, but we need $750 billion. And the reason he picked it is because they probably wouldn't give him a trillion, but they'd give him $750 billion. So that's what he asked for. And that's not what he needed. They had no idea what they needed. They just, you know, hey, Congress, give us $750 billion. And we're going to go fix the problem. They didn't. They didn't spend it the way they told Congress they were going to spend it. They gave them the power. It was their mistake. Well, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. We're coming up on the second I, time around. I have, an, I, have an add on, I, have, I have an add-on to that. Fool me a third time, I'm just a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's what I, you know, what, what I kind of don't understand. I mean, I, and I think a lot of people are, I mean, I mean, I think that's why Nancy Pelosi last night was so pissed off <laughs> is that, you know, it's so frustrating. You can see it on her face. It has, I don't think it has anything to do with the, the missed handshake. I mean, he didn't even shake Pence's hand uh, in, in the beginning of the, uh, the State of the Union last night. But I think she's so mad because you've got this guy who they've been working for three years to try to get him – uh, you know, out of office, right? They've been trying, you know, getting getting yeah, Trump removed, every, and all that's happening is this, as this, you know, I'm not, I don't know how much of a firm believer I'm the poll, but they do, and so and and, and his polls are up. <laughs> so all this yeah, stuff, I yeah. mean, his numbers. The, the longer they blast him, the longer his numbers increase. You know, the higher his well, numbers go. The same thing happened when the Republicans went after Clinton. Yeah. It, it it doesn't work. I don't know what the Democrats yeah. are thinking. But, um, and people know, need they, to realize is that most most Americans still are, I think, patriotic. And when you when you want to mess with the, the, their president, because people, whether they like Trump or not, or, or they're neutral well, they about him. Like, I mean, I really do think that you know, I I, I really do think that they still. You know, like, hey, this is our president. You know, you're you're screwing around with our president, and I well, think that you know, pe- people see that. Around with our constitutionally, they're, people are saying you're screwing around with our constitutionally elected president, and that's what I think people have a problem with. You know, a lot of people don't like Trump, but they, uh, you know, he's 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 like the, you know the devil you know. You know, I, I have ladies tell me this all the time. They come up to me, and you know, um, you know, it's an issue over pro-life usually. And they say, you know, hey, you know, I didn't elect him, you know, to uh, date my daughter. I elected him to straighten out this mess in Congress. 
in the United States and in the in our markets and you know that's and he's my guy and that's why people cling to Trump because yeah he's the only shot we got you know and people I mean, and he wasn't even and he yeah he wasn't even yeah he wasn't even my first pick I mean my first pick was Ben Carson uh, and then so I mean Trump was even someone's like oh man Trump you know and then. I didn't, the more I heard him, you know, the more he's on there, you know, you know, watching the debates and things of that nature. Yeah, you know, the more it's like, yeah, I mean, I really started really supporting him. I've been to a number of his rallies. I interviewed a lot of folks. Uh, you know, I'd go to the rallies because he'd come to, you know, my city, and I'd interviewed a lot of folks. I mean, there's a guy who was in his mid 40s. Is like, you know, this is the first time, this is the first time I've ever voted, you know, and and this was in the, in the primaries. He goes, you know, because Trump's the first person that I, you know, ever thought that I'd want to vote for. And I even asked the guy, it's like, well, if Trump doesn't win the primary, would you vote in the general election? This guy was like, no. Yeah, Trump Trump is the existential model of just, uh, like I said, the, the second stage of a revolution that the person who takes control is comes from outside of politics. They're, they're really kind of a you know, a, a new face. And that's exactly the trumpets. I mean, it, it, it's, there are so many historic parallels. I mean, uh, my only argument with, you know, Mark Twain is that history doesn't, you know, maybe it rhymes, but it does repeat itself. And over and over and over again. And you look for that pattern, and you can tell exactly what's happening. You can tell exactly what's going to happen. You know, they are not going to stop going after Trump. They have to. They can't. They can't because if they do, they'll go to jail. That, uh, that's a very good point too. Power. Yeah, it's it's not that it's not that they'll lose power. Yeah, it's not that they'll only lose power. It's not that they don't have anything else. Is yeah, they got to they got to get it so that they don't get their asses in jail. Yeah, that's a very good well, point. You know, they they could lose their fortunes. I mean, the reason you have a lot of fortunes today, these massive billion dollar fortunes is because the Federal Reserve operates its monetary policy to deliver that. And if you don't have a Federal Reserve Bank artificially manipulating monetary policy to steal from the poor and give to the rich, you're not going to have all those rich people. And so, you know, they're looking at their money. They're looking at their power. They're looking at, you know, some of them going to jail. You know, they're, when, if, they, if they start going after everyone that's been involved in trying to take the president off, they're going to get they're going to get uh, people that are in government. There are a lot of people that are going to get caught in this thing, and good they should, because if they don't, I will guarantee you, uh, Trump won't finish it out, and I will guarantee you this will end up in a, a shooting revolution. Right now we've got a non-shooting revolution. I'd like to keep it there, but if well, not, no, and, and I yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think they. I mean, you know, I mean, I call it a you know a civil war. But as you say, you know, I mean, those could be, you know, used interchangeably. Civil war, you know, but I mean, I, I mean, I can actually, I hate to say, I mean, I, mean, I, I can see it happen. I can, unfortunately, I can see the, the possibility of violence coming out of it. Easily, easily. I can tell you, I, you I know, just told you the key. If they get, if they get rid of the moderate government, if they get rid of the Trump government, it's going to go. Get your gun, get your ammo, because you are going to need it. Because things are going to. Well, that's right. I mean, if they were successful, in, if they were successful in 
in, in this coup and, and impeaching Trump and getting removed from office. I mean, I I, I, I would say it would be there could have been people in the streets and and, and you know I mean maybe it needs, maybe that needs to happen. I'm not saying violent, but I think we need to have, we well, would need to have at least a, an uprising where you had millions of people in the streets all across the country showing support of the president. Well, it's, yeah, it's going to get crazy. You know, hopefully it doesn't get to that. But I think that the, the surest way out is to change the system. That can be done by passing term limits, passing it out of the Fed, and passing uh, Reins Act. You do those three things, and that operating model of government is going to change. So when that changes, all your problems start being start going away almost immediately. You have the Fed. If you get rid of the Fed, you're going to have to go to a gold standard. That means. But there's not enough. But there's not, there's not like enough gold. But, but there's not enough gold to be on a gold standard. I mean, we had a guest oh, yeah, on yeah, it some no, years no, no, ago. No, He's saying it has to be no, more no, like no, a no, no, some no, type no, of precious no, metal no, standard. No, 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 no. You don't understand a gold standard. All the gold standard is is you take your paper currency, and whatever, you, and then you set the price of your gold. Whatever gold you have, the government would set the price to equal that the dollars they have out in the street. And that it is the people, the way the people would quantitatively, uh, yeah, quantitatively handle their currency will, will regulate uh, lending, it'll regulate savings, it'll regulate uh, the, way people, the way people use their money. Will regulate interest rates. It'll regulate everything, and it'll do it naturally. That's what the gold standard does. And that's all that gold. That's what the gold standard is. You just want to match up your dollars, your printed dollars, to your gold. Now, if your gold is now seventy-five hundred dollars an ounce, which is where it has to be um, for the dollars we got out in the street, then you could probably improve on that by uh, issuing new hundred-dollar bills, different from the hundreds that are offshore. And keeping them out and not uh, worth $100 in the United States, they would go along towards, towards people trying to take $100 bills out of the United States. We'd just be concerned with our currency in our borders and regulate that and let the people how they operate with that money. If, if they see things getting slowed down too much, they're going to get more cash. And they're going to take that cash and they're going to buy gold. They buy the gold, all of a sudden they have to raise interest rates so people get rid of their gold uh, because well, I'm, I'm getting a better rate of return. But if inflation starts getting going because there's too much money out there, the economy's heated up, and the price of gold starts going up, that's how the rates go up. So the banks get their uh, gold in so they can loan it out. It, gold banks, the banks you deal with, can no law would no longer be able to just write a check, and they could not use uh, U.S. bonds as a reserve. They would have to have a certain amount of gold, and they could fractal. They could fractal that. You can fractal uh, a gold reserve up to probably ten, even fifteen times, and still be okay. Because you, you you'd have to be able to eat, you know, four to eight percent losses. But the gold becomes the mechanism and the people's treatment of it um, in their dollar bills. Yeah, people wouldn't be walking around with gold in their pocket. But paper money would become more important. 
certainly. You know, counterfeiting, you know, you'd have to come up with some, you know, new ways, but, you know, they seem to stay ahead of it right now to a certain extent, at least with the $100 bills. Lesser bills, no, but, you know, the $100 bills, uh, you can tell 100 if it's real or not, you know, pretty much by looking at it. It's the green and the gold when you move it with the $100, you know, on the, on the $100 bill. Counterfeiters haven't figured out how to do that yet. So, yeah, it, 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 it's always a race. It, 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 nothing's easy, but that's how a gold standard works, and we've got enough gold to do it easily. That's why all the, all the central banks around the world have been buying gold. They've been the, being the big buyers of gold because they know this whole thing is going to get reset. And when it gets reset, gold is going to have a role in it. Right now, gold does. FDRs, special drawing rights, you're supposed to have 2.5% of your GDP in gold. Not everybody does, but some of them do. And that's what China's been trying to do. They're probably there now. And everybody's already thinking like that. They're already preparing for that, the central bank. You've got to take it out of their hands. You've got to make it real. And if you do that, that's, you know, that's part of the thing. You have to have real money. Gold's the only real money there is. Hey, let's go I ahead and uh, we got to have real government. Hold on, hold on, John. I got. Uh, I want to bring another. We got another caller, and and we can, of course, as you know, we, we can bring things back around. There's there's still plenty of time, but let's go ahead and bring in uh, Suzette. Uh, thank you very much, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. Uh, how are you guys? You sound like you're doing all right. <laughs> and any objections? <laughs> no. No, you know, not not not. I think we're going to send the radio. No. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, We're well, not even I in Bard's like, Logic After Dark yet. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, I I think I under, um listening to something about a res- revolution, something about decentralizing the government. Uh, am I correct as far as the topic of the conversation so far? You're, you're absolutely absolutely correct. Okay. Uh, so decentralizing the government, what would that look like? Um, your federal agencies, your public agencies like US EPA, Health and Human Services Education, they would be much smaller on the federal level. But they, more of those responsibilities would be passed off to the states and the counties, which if you go to every mm-hmm. state and county, and I talked about this earlier, you'll find each of those agencies already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay. Um, the, the, the broad base, the broad brush strokes, and the federal money would have to all be done by Congress. The role, you know, the EPA might have 55 people, um, one for each state and uh, one supervisor for every 10 states, and then a team, a legal team to uh, back up the states if they had to take on somebody big. All your independent agencies like the FDA, uh, SEC, CFTC, they would come directly under the control of Congress, and Congress would have to do its job. Basically, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take Article One, uh, Section Eight, which delineates most of the powers of Congress, and force them back to the Congress so that they do their job, so that all laws are introduced, discussed, debated, compromised, and voted all in the public forum. And the problem: ninety uh-huh. percent of those laws are done behind closed doors in an agency. That's what you really want to do. And it goes back to the three bills that I uh, had in Let the People Rule, 
term limits, audit the Fed, Rains Act, does exactly that. You're changing the structural, the daily operating model, the structure, actual structure of government. And again, uh, all the revolution is, is a governmental bankruptcy of the people. What do you do in a, in a bankruptcy? You reorganize the corporation. That's all I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And if you do it, as I suggest, it's peaceful, and it automatically changes it. You, you, you don't solve every problem with a Band-Aid. You know, like guys said, uh, how about individual, you know, line item veto? No, that's a Band-Aid. You're not addressing mm-hmm. the problem. Right. The no, problem I, okay. Is government. So I hope that helps. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, it does. It does. I know that Trump, uh, at the beginning of uh, his presidency, uh, was in, along those same lines, uh, people that were in the um, in charge of certain areas, agencies, uh, whether it was wild parks or, um, as you were saying, uh, the EPA, things like that, that they were in Washington, these people, and not in the states where the office is at, where they should be at. Um, yet to, because they were trying to control whatever from Washington. And, and uh, so that had changed. Now they had voted to, if you're going to be in charge of an agency, then you're going to have to be there <laughs> and not stay in Washington. Yeah, the logic still made in the federal agencies in Washington, D.C. That's why the lobbyists are there. And that's why the billionaires spend so much money on lobbyists. And there are 12,000 registered lobbyists. You know how many lobbyists mm-hmm. there really are? There are probably forty or 50,000 at least because there are oh, sure. so many lobbyists that aren't registered. And, you know, most of the re- probably half, at least half of the registered lobbyists are husband and wife team because one will be mm-hmm. on the inside of that agency. One is the lobbyist on the outside. If you, don't do, if you do that and you're not married in the same, in the same company, that's false mm-hmm. collusion and that's, that's illegal. But if it's a husband and wife, one in, one out, that's called pillow talk, and that's not illegal. A lot of them that's are previous uh, congressmen, too. <laughs> yeah, and it's, that's why you know the registered lobbyists. And everybody says, "Well, control the lobbyists." No, control the system, change the system. So lobbyists aren't as valuable. They can't do what they're what they're what they're getting paid millions of dollars to do in order to make billions for individuals. Okay. What are your thoughts? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, what are your thoughts about our intelligence agencies, uh, CIA, NSA, um, the information intelligence? Completely, uh, complete, completely out of control. You've centralized so much power. You've got the same problem. You've centralized yes. all these powers in all these agencies. And they're, they not, intelligence no one. For, they're, not, they're not intelligence for the American people. They're intelligence right. against. American people. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. John Kennedy had it right. You know, Truman. Truman had it right. Truman started it, and he wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, they, yes. they shot him. They've they've duplicated, multiplied themselves. You know, tenfold, fiftienfold, twentyfold, as far as their little agencies that are sub agencies or sub. They live. They, they live totally above the law. Uh, yeah, and they yeah. Li- they, they have limitless money. They can go get money to do anything they want. They are so far above the law. They're not held accountable. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're, 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 they're accountable. The entire NSA 
doesn't answer to Congress. It answers to the CIA. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and you figure, okay, so Trump had ordered a, uh, to have a, um, oh, an audit of the Pentagon, and they were aghast. Well, we don't get audited. What do you mean you don't get audited? Well, you don't expect us to keep receipts or anything, do you? I mean, everything's got to be top secret and security, so, you know, we bring those things. So, so as soon as we, so we half, don't know where this money half, went. Two and a half of those, two and a half trillion of those bills went up in smoke with the, when the Pentagon hit, got hit on 9-11. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah. In fact, they say $20 trillion worth of uh, the Pentagon budget uh, has never been audited. No one knows where all the money was spent. That equals about the national debt. Yeah. That's, 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 the national debt is, is represented in, in 60 years of endless war from Korea to today. It's, mm-hmm. It costs about twenty costs about twenty two trillion dollars. That's the national debt. The entire national debt you can put off on endless war. Now, what if we take yeah. that money and just spend half of it on buying the world like China did, and <laughs> investing the rest of the money in America and the American people, and had a system where it wasn't centralized? Uh, we'd have everyone would have to transfer over to our mode of people's rule just in order to economically survive against the United States. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, well, they, we'd have change, too, they, left over after all that spending on that stuff, so it'd well, still be cheaper. Well, we change. It's exactly right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and I understand what they're thinking. You know, you go back to um, uh, the Dulles brothers, and uh, one ran the uh, – uh, CIA and the other one ran the Secretary of State's office, and mm-hmm. uh, John Foster said that you know it, it it's the art of getting to the brink of war but not doing it. And I think he was wrong. I, I think Kennedy realized uh, that whole thinking is wrong, and mm-hmm. because you, you keep pushing people and trying to force them with a gun to their head. And you're better off uh, showing them that in order to compete with you, they have to embrace your system where the people rule. And they don't have time for war. They can't afford it. They can never keep up with you. I call it the peace of freedom. And uh, Good I, name I talk it. about it. It's one of the things that I eventually want to get to. But, yeah, freedom becomes your lead, not your battleship. And right. what happens is, it's basically what Reagan did to the, the Soviet Union. You know, he came up with a, uh, uh, to end war by showing them, by making them compete with the American system when America was much more freer. Now you can never do that. That's why mm-hmm. that's why endless war has become less and less effective because. We don't. We're not nearly as free as we used to be. So we don't have the economic strength that we once had. Right. We still have. We still beat everyone because um, everyone's so much less free than we are. But and that that whole that whole thinking that, that Reagan uh, thought that uh, Dulles thought it's really beating China. I mean, China 
has got to collapse here within months. You know, everybody was surprised when Russia went under uh, with Yeltsin. Same thing's going to mm-hmm. happen with Putin. I mean, it's they've got uh, poor plague. Uh, they're 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 starving. All they need is some bad weather to you know, a couple of crop failures and crop failures in South America, which you know, as I said, if you're gonna have crop failures due to to weather and climate change, mm-hmm. it's gonna happen more in the southern hemisphere than it's gonna happen in the northern because during their growing season they're further away from the sun than we are in our summer. Uh-huh. So um, we're in a better situation, but you know, I, I think it all goes back to, you know, as far as this country has gotten away from God. Well, uh, yes, and, and we created a lot of the situations as well. The United States, you know, with our yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So the border problem we created by um, catering to the likes of you know, Chiquita brands down in uh, you know Guatemala and Honduras and. Uh, Basically, starting all the natives, um, making sure all the land belongs to a banana company and it's Banana Republic. We're, well, we're part of that. So a lot of these things have to stop. Sure. But I think, right. I think the, only, the only way you stop that is to centralize the power along the lines that I'm talking about by moving power away from Washington and moving it back to the people, putting people back in the control of the country. Putting us back in control of our country through these, you know, structural changes in government. Again, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a bankruptcy. And what do you do in a bankruptcy? You organize the corporation, and that's what we sure. have to do: a structural reorganization. Then you solve all these other problems. The people you're talking about and having to want to put a bandaid, want to do this, want to do that. What about endless war? What about social security? Hey, solve the underlying problem, and you'll solve all these problems. Do you think that um, that the the people who are involved in right now, you know, Sweden's going under, we've got um, Italy's going under, all these other countries are going under for a reason. Um, you know, their whole culture is, culture is being changed and switched, just like here in the United States with the identity politics. It's all a distraction from the actual goal, which is, you know, to move us all under one government. And and this goes to, if you're familiar with Tavistock Institute, the Club of Rome, who were the brainchild for climate change. Um, and it has to go ties into the UN, which was the League of Nations and the trilateral. But at the top of the helm, uh, basically governing the other little agencies, if you want to call them that, the UN and uh, the Club of Rome, you, you, they're at the top, Tavistock, the Tavistock Institute. So basically they will allow <laughs> uh, restructure or organi- reorganization that you're speaking of, which is what is needed in order to, to uh, maintain any type of freedom, you know, more than we have now, <laughs> which is very limited. Uh, so I agree with you there. We are we are not a free people, as we should be or were intended. But uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? Well, again, it's uh, they'll they'll have to compete with us if we become a government ruled by the people. Uh, our entire economy is going to change. It'll be so much stronger. 
and the 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 wealth will be shared. Sure, and but they want the, a revolution. The, the they want thing. they want to create that revolution, just like they are doing in other countries, which you know well, we view it as all oh, right, right on. They've done that through migration. They've done that through migration, and the sure, Democrats sure. are trying to do that here in the United States by saying, you know, open immigration because they want to get all these people in to change the 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 uh, the complex or the 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 look of America and, and change that so we we can't go back. They, they want to they want to bring in the vote, and mm-hmm. we're, we're not that far. And that's why Trump has built the wall. And that's why people want him to build the wall. But to solve all those problems, you, you again, he goes back. You change America to where the people rule the government, and all these other governments are going to have to are going to be forced to do that. Now, if they want to take arms up against us. They're going to find that they can't compete there. Now, if it's a problem with Islam, and that is a problem, and every time that issue is raised its head over history, uh, I'm sorry, but the only way to do it is to go out there and slaughter a lot of uh, uh, jihadists and just go out mm-hmm. there and you start killing uh, hard. And that throughout history, unfortunately, and I hate to say it, that is the only thing that works. And if that's what it comes down to, if that's what they insist upon, you know, once we reestablish the people's rule over our government, if they insist that we have to take that drastic step, I guess we get forced into it. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's something you do, you know, reluctantly. You only do it if you have to, but, you know, it's up to them. I'm kind of along with Robert on this one as far as it just we just need to just go and just do it. You know, it's not any – because there's no – we try and do it through legislation. You know, we already know how the boat thing works. You're falling into that trap of centralization again and endless war. And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to change that operating model of government and put the people, people back into control. Then you can start talking about these other things. But, you know, first things first, you, you have a structural problem here. You have a bankruptcy it's gone bad. What do you do? You restructure the corporate first thing. Part of that restructure, though, is removing people from office as well. Anymore. You don't have a revolution um, anymore because you don't have a bankruptcy. But, but would you now agree you that part of that restructure would be removing a lot of the people that are in place in key positions in the government that, you know. Well, you do that. You do that. Uh, well, there's a lot of there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of movement somewhere. I don't know where where that's coming from, but let's get given a lot of background just, noise. But go ahead. Yeah, you just you just reduce you reduce uh, the federal government. You you move all those powers back to the state. Like I said, the U.S. paid would have 55 employees and a fleet of attorneys to help, to back mm-hmm. up the state police departments. Yeah. There's probably a couple hundred thousand jobs in the US EPA that are they're going to have to go to the states and try and find a job, or they're going to have to go out and get a real job. Same yeah. Thing <laughs> Same thing with education. You know, mm-hmm. Washington would change drastically. Now, I think the three of the top five richest counties in the United States are in and around Washington, D.C. That would change drastically. They wouldn't be like that anymore. Mm. The, your, your wealth would start. Wealth would start moving back to Rockford, Peoria, uh, Galesburg, Monmouth, mm-hmm. Rock Island, sure. uh, Stockton, uh, Dubuque, Cedar Rapids, 
Iowa City, you know. Uh, I see it as like a big dam that's going to just burst and let that money start to flow down like it should instead of being all bundled up. You reverse reverse the system. Mm -hmm. You've been been filling up. You've been stealing from the poor to give to the rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. You're just going to reverse that flow. You don't have to steal from the rich to give to the poor. You're just going to stop the rich from stealing. There you go. That's it. That's it. I like, yep, that's it right there in a nutshell. For a lot of people, they don't grasp that idea. They want to steal from the rich. But you <laughs> just hit the nail on the head right there. Thank yeah. you. You bet. And, uh, John, it sounded like earlier that you wanted to, uh, you know, chime in on something. Uh, you know, certainly uh, you can, you know, go back uh, to that if you'd like. Go ahead. We're, well, we're going to have to be quick here, folks. I'm running out of power on my phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet. Well, um, well, Pete's got to get going. I mean, that's, you know, certainly understandable. Uh, we do, uh, you know, appreciate you, you know, staying on, certain, you know, certainly as long as you have. Uh, so, but before you go, uh, you know, to kind of tell us where folks can go to uh, check out more about your campaign, maybe check out yeah. some numbers, how the uh, the polls are going, things of that nature. Go ahead. Uh, elect Faywell. Dot org and it's everyone knows how to spell elect, but Fayol is spelled F is in Frank, A W E L L. So it's electfaywell.org. And everything's on there. My Facebook site is Elect Faywell. And I post a lot of important uh, news, uh, little I, things that I think pe- is important for people, kind of like uh, my own private news station. Uh, you don't have to, you know, stay away from CNN. You get the real truth. See, I go through, I read a lot. And I read articles every day, all the time, and I dig things up. A lot of it comes from Zero Hedge and other uh, uh, blogs. And I just put out the truth out there. So you could go to either electfaywell.org or electfaywell on Facebook. And uh, it's there. My Twitter is at RealBillFaywell. And yeah, that's it. But thank you very much. Uh, you know, we're certainly you know yeah. going to keep up with yourself and with with Arlen on your campaign. Uh, now that's in uh, March, is it not? March seventeenth. The primary, at least. Yep. So yeah, definitely. After the, the campaign, you're welcome to come back, and, and then you'll be when you'll be facing your what we presume would be uh, your Democrat opponent, and we'll certainly like to have you on then. Yeah, be great. Hey, appreciate the time. All the good questions. Oh, you too. Really very uh, de- definitely. We look forward to, uh, to watching your campaign. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Good, good night. Thank you. Yep. And so, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. You know, we'd like to. You know, again, we 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 say this a, a lot on the show, uh, but but you know about how we would love to see more you know grassroots uh, candidates. Uh, you know, be running, and and I think it sounds like that uh, the uh, King is her last name, uh, who is running, who's running against, as he says, kind of the party pick, and, and and we've seen how the party pick has gone for for uh, the Republicans before, and they they generally don't pick <laughs> good people, it seems, uh, you know, to to, to run. I mean. Uh, you know, against the, the more, you know, grassroots folks, which, of course, you know, we 
uh, we support here. Now, it, it is the top of the hour. We are now uh, currently uh, in what's Bard's Logic After Dark, uh, officially. Now, what, again, what I said earlier this evening, I did have keyed up uh, the State of the Union address, and I had it in its entirety. I was hoping to maybe play that. But, hey, it's, it's always great to be able to have such a, a long conversation with uh, one of our guests, you know, one of the candidates running for office. And, and you know, so – since we didn't have the time, that, that's okay. I'm sure we could still have enough conversation to fill up the hour. But one of the things we're going to do is uh, take a little peek at uh, who our guest is going to be for next week. And that's going to be Daniel Burke, and he is running uh, as a LaRouche Independent uh, for the U.S. Senate, and that's in New Jersey. And, and his website is Burke, and that's B-U-R-K-E, and then the number four, and then Senate. Uh, dot com and this is on his uh web page for his campaign it talks about his uh campaign uh he's got a quote from Lyndon LaRouche who he's uh you know kind of a follower of a lot of uh, LaRouche's ideas it says there in the stars lies mankind's entry into the long awaited age of reason when our species sheds at last the cultural residue of the beast and that's Lyndon LaRouche and it says, and this is from our, our the candidate we're going to have uh, on next week, uh, and that is, uh, you know, Daniel Burke. It says, consider again, as John F. Kennedy did at Rice University, the entire history of the human race as a single process of development. What a marvelous demonstration mankind is, the creative power of the universe. Every limitation we encounter, we overleap as no known species can. Where lies the United States and New Jersey today within the arc of human development? Uh, that depends on our actions today. We can choose, as Americans, to act in devotion to our great founding principle that every human individual can contribute to the process, progress of civilization, regardless of our, quote, rank in society. We can choose a future in which all nations cooperate for the benefit of our species, regardless of past hostility. If we choose that future, we must choose to go to the moon and Mars. We must choose, as John Kennedy did, to bring the entire species forward. President Trump's Artemis program points the way, but it must be expanded. Bring us Lunar Laboratory with all nations combining in pursuit of scientific knowledge. Bring us fusion-powered rockets so we can colonize Mars. Bring us hope that the universe is mankind to explore. This future, our nation dearly requires it. And that is uh, from the campaign page from our guest next week, uh, Daniel Burke. So I'm certainly uh, looking forward to having him on next week. Uh, I, you know, I like his message. And, and actually, I, I did send him a, you know, an email uh, you know, to invite him on the show. And, he, and you know, we're also actually speaking with folks uh, from the, the LaRouche Pack. Uh, which you've you've heard me talk about before on the show, but uh, you know him and the, him and I emailed you know back and forth a couple times. He was uh, introduced to me uh, by a gentleman named Hector from uh, the Larouche uh, you know Larouche Pack, and we're looking to have them on not next week, of course. We're going to have uh, Mr. Burke on, uh, but we're going to have someone and some other people. They've they've got some interesting takes uh, on China. And so, uh, you know, we had a, a lengthy conversation, which I, I'm really looking forward to continue that, uh, that conversation with the, with the folks there uh, from uh, the LaRouche Pack. 
the week after next. Uh, but as to, uh, you know, a- after, you know, reading some of, you know, some things uh, from Mr. Burke, you know, when I sent him, you know, the email, you know, I, I included, you know, your positive message is one I think can attract people from both sides of the aisle. The discussions of nuclear fusion, uh, the Space Force, and the Artemis program uh, are ones that I believe are non-ideological. Uh, and I've invited, said so I would like to discuss uh, these and your campaign on our radio program. He's going to come by. Uh, because, as we mentioned, we talked about a lot tonight. And I think everyone on the call, whether you're just listening or whether you you know, were in the chat or whether you're, you know, uh, talked tonight, uh, one of the things we talked um, about is the possibility of us actually having, you know, a revolution, as he puts it, in a civil war, and, and I, as I put it. And, and so I think it's going to be important for us to find something uh, to bring us back together. And you've guys heard me say this, you know, a lot the past couple years is that, you know, since Trump has been elected, is that I've never seen. Um, the vitriol and literally the you know, abject hatred, not only between the politicians, as Nancy Pelosi put on full display last night at the end of the State of the Union address, but even among the people. I mean, people, including myself, have lost friends that they've had for decades. I mean, we had a lady who was screaming. Uh, I've seen a, a, a video that some lady was screaming how all conservatives should have their, their throats slit. You know, no Republican says there's slow threat, and I'm even guilty of something like that. Sometimes, you know, I'll be talking to, you know, some close people I'm like, God, you know, sometimes I wish all the liberals would just disappear, and then I catch myself like, oh man, I got some friends who are liberals, you know. So, you know, I mean, I mean, it's even affecting myself, and I know it's affecting a lot of folks out there. So, we really do need to find, uh, you know, something that could bring us together, and and I can't think of anything more. You know that at least, and their their vision is to bring the world together. Mine is to bring America together, and you know perhaps you know the world can come along. That's kind of my viewpoint. You know the it's uh, America centric, but oh well. Uh, but I mean I think that is you know something that can bring us all together. Regardless, I don't think you know going to the moon and then going to Mars. Uh, I, I don't think it's you know. As I stated, when I invite him on the show, I don't think it's you know ideological. I think you know it's not liberal, it's not conservative. It's just how can we make America great? But the the problem of that is that the other side of the aisle doesn't want to make America great again. I mean, they don't. Uh, I don't even know what they want. I mean, the, the globalists, and this is actually part of our conversation that we had. Uh, you know, with with the with Hector from the the Larouche Pack, as he stated, and I'm going to get him back on the, him on the show as well, uh, along with the the folks he's having to reach out to me to to have on. As he was mentioning, you know, the globalists aren't really about. Um, oh God, how did he put it? Basically, you know, like, gosh, I wish I could I, I could explain it, but it was fascinating. But it's it, it basically what our perception. That's why I want to have him on uh, to remind us. That he says, Our perception of what the globalists really are and really want are kind of not what we think. Um, and so and – and I wish I could remember all the details, but I mean this was like some weeks ago uh, that we had the conversation. So I, I mean that's just kind of the premise uh, 
uh, that, you know, I, I took away, you know, from that. Um, and, and so it's definitely an interesting take. And also, uh, the gentleman, an, an interesting take, and they're going to talk to people from their Asian office, uh, the Lurish Pack, uh, to have that discussion about what we've been hearing about China and, and you know, what's been – what they think maybe even propagandized us about China may not necessarily be what the – you know the real what's really going on <laughs> you know like one of the things i do remember is where you know a lot of folks say well you know china is you know really interested in world domination and you know they got their long you know long-term plan for world domination but this uh, this guy is contending no nah, that's not really the case they actually want to work with us uh you know like the united states in cooperation uh, when it comes to you know trade and things of that nature, so it's definitely going to pose for uh, an interesting an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, so I'm really looking forward to having uh, you know him on the the show, Daniel on the show next week, and you know hopefully someone. I think we're we're going to be able to look you know for the Warriors pack. After that, of course, we're still working on you know get some other uh, you know get some other folks on uh, the show as well. Uh, but, you know, I know I went long, and again, I was, I was kind of open to play the State of the Union tonight because I'm sure a lot of people have just been busy, you know, are, are busy and they're not able to uh, to watch all of it. You know, I was hoping to be able to play it on the show. And again, as I told uh, you, Kelly, uh, earlier today, I was like, man, I got, uh, you know, we've, we've, I've got, you know, uh, probably another four hours or so worth of material. And that's that definitely would have been true tonight. Heck, maybe even five. But speaking of material, speaking uh, speaking of Kelly, uh, one thing that if you like to do, Kelly, um, is kind of give us a um, you know kind of a synopsis of our special edition that we are going to be having of the show. It's not going to be a full length show, uh, but a special edition of the show that we are going to have uh, this Friday. Now, barring uh, some things, if you know full disclosures that I, I did have to run out to. The hospital, not for myself, uh, but for my father. And so uh, hopefully I won't have to run back out uh, Friday evening so we can can, can do that again uh, or do the special edition. But I'm hoping I don't have to. But but let's let's put some positive, uh, you know, feelers out there, <laughs> energy out there so that will happen. But anyway, so if you'll give us kind of a you know, synopsis of what we're planning for Friday, at least for an abbreviated uh, period on, on here we're looking at our guest to be this uh, coming Friday uh, night, which would be the the seventh of uh, uh, February. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah, I'm rather excited about this. Uh, Paul Danuka, he's running for Assembly, uh, California Assembly. That's of course the State House. Some say that's the reps in other states, but we got State House, Senate, State House, Assembly, and. Uh, he came up to Wairika, and he's an independent, and I did the independent numbers. Oh, my gosh, he is electable because uh, the party affiliation in California is a big surprise. Number one is the Democrats. Surprise, surprise. Number two is NPP. No party preference. Number three in numbers, registered, registered voters, is Republican. And in the 11 counties where he has constituents, he can win. And the Tea Party really likes him, local Tea Party here. He's had a number of endorsements. He, he's uh, he's from India, and he is um, 
humble. He's been a doctor, and uh, so yeah, I'm trying to get him on the show on, on a special edition. He's only got maybe 20, 30 minutes. Maybe some people call in and ask him some questions, but I want to focus on just him and let him explain what he's about. And uh, you know, this last guy, he went quite a while, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, my goal is to take the Bar's logic, you know, 20 minutes, maybe more questions, answers, um, download it, put it on a YouTube and splash it all over the web and put it in a position so that people can listen to it on their phones and text it to their friends, hopefully help the guy get elected. He's an independent. Did I mention that? We need a third party. We need a third party. And so I'm excited to bring him on. Um, it might only be in a half an hour. He's got an event scheduled, but he's going to go to it late just to be on the show on, on, on Friday at 7. So I'm really excited. Um, and that's, that, that's 7 Pacific time, still 10 o'clock. Uh, Pacific Eastern. time. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to put 10, that out there for, for folks. Go ahead. Yeah, so 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern, and uh, I'm really excited about this guy. And uh, so if he can get in the assembly, that could be a breakthrough as far as third parties, at least in California. The Republican Party, I'm sorry, is dying. In California, either that or as Trump said, the election system of California is just all corrupt. So anyway, um, yeah, that's a nice plug for him. I'm looking forward to it. I've been communicating with him back and forth and getting ready. And so making it easy for him, he's just got to call in and tell us about himself. Um, Robert, is it okay if I introduce him, read his bio? Oh, yeah, certainly. Of course, of course. Okay, yeah, he's in my district. I've been telling people already about him. And uh, he's from India, so I kind of call him uh, 7-Eleven Assemblyman. May I help you? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm excited about that. So who knows how long he'll have. 20 minutes. He's got an event. Uh, maybe 30 with questions. Anyway, so I just I just thought I'd let you know about that. Cool. So you, you investigated his background as far as, you know, for any candidate, you know, to support. We have to do our due diligence, find out who these people are, um, and not who they say they are, but who they are. Well, <laughs> yeah, he he definitely loves the Constitution. He's a conservative. Um, okay. I mean, you know, past as far as what do you know about him other than, you know, just, you know, where he's been at, you know. I mean. Oh, he's an act murderer, so. <laughs> he's, no, he's 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 too busy working, take care of his family to do anything. But as far as criminal record, I have I should maybe check that out quick. But I doubt if he has any. Um, but I know the Tea Party of Reading really really already supports him big time. Um, and I think he's probably went to the Tea Party there for several years, and somebody encouraged him to run, and he did. So. Um, so yeah, I can probably make some calls that way too to find out. Sure. But see the other the other thing we have we have two other candidates for assembly district. We have Betancourt, which is a Democrat. She claims to want to protect the rural people and then she says protect the environment. You can't have both. And then we have uh, Megan Dahl, who is the husband of Brian Dahl. Who? Brian Dahl. Who? Who? Brian who? Brian Dahl hasn't come to Siskiy County and other counties. He hasn't even come up here since he got elected. And in California, you, as an assemblyman, you're only allowed three two-year terms. We have term limits in California in our state constitution, by the way. 
So then he jumped over to the Senate to keep doing what he's doing, and then his wife came in on a special election uh, back in November on coattails. So um, it's going to be the official primary March 5th. And so then, um, yeah, I'll, so you got you got Megan Doll, yeah, I don't know. And then you, and not having the support of the Tea Parties up here. And then you got Betancourt, the Democrat. So he's, he is, um, there's, I believe there's only three candidates for this district. So he's, he's, uh, I, I think he's not just, oh, by default, oh gosh, let's not have the other two. I, I'm excited just simply because he, he, he answered some constitutional questions correctly. So that's good. He's been studying it. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up, you know, with the, with the State of the Union last night, is because uh, I just I just seen a poster reminding me of it. Is uh, no real quick, uh, real quick poll just to the people here. Uh, has anybody here uh, you know, seen the the full uh, State of the Union as well as the? Excuse me. As well as the the Democrat response. No, okay. But anyway, well, I found it interesting no, last on, night. Robert, oh, go ahead. I did. Well, I missed it for a few minutes because I was busy with some mad scientist stuff. But um, it, the first few minutes was basically the economy. But I was. It was. I haven't watched a full. I've only watched you know a minute or two clips of of his State of the Union address, but this one was you know I I, I was watching with a neighbor who totally likes Trump and he said this is the best State of the Union speech I've heard in decades and I would I would brought to tears a couple times some of the things he did for others and acknowledging others oh gosh when that uh, guy from Iraq you know he had uh, his wife and two kids in the gallery. And Trump surprised her by – he appeared up in the gallery, and his wife and kids were like, oh, you know, it's dad. No, it was kind of cool. So yeah, he, he did some other things too. I loved – I loved it when – well, okay. There were some tragedies, and one was a brother of a man who was murdered. The man's brother was murdered by mm-hmm. an illegal that was protected by a sanctuary city or state, whatever. And the criminal history of this illegal was mind-blowing. The sanctuary city refused to turn this person over to ICE. And he had hurt and shot and done other really bad things. And so this illegal killed this man's brother who's in the gallery. And the brother stood up, and of course he's in tears. And Trump said, I want to pass legislation that if um, let's see, the, the survivors, the family survivors – of someone oh yeah injured or killed by a an, an illegal inside a sanctuary city or state the remaining family members can sue that sanctuary city or sue that sanctuary state mm-hmm. that stunning san francisco is going to go bankrupt la is going to go bankrupt et cetera et cetera et cetera it's oh, mind blowing so he did so many smart. Oh my gosh! Other things, I just like I was so excited hearing that. But I, I, I got to let other people speak. I mean, I, I was, I was really amazed. And the Democrats were not standing up, were not applauding. And some of these things, like, are you? Oh, they were serious? making me sick with some of the stuff they were sitting down for. 
Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll be quiet and let other people speak. So tell me you're one to chime in on that, uh, Suzanne. Go ahead. Oh uh, well, I'm Nancy Pelosi and her making her faces and then directing her people because they started to walk out at one point. And now they were going to sneak out when uh, they were all doing a applause, uh, standing ovation type thing. And she had waved her hand at them as far as sit yourself down type thing. Um, and then they were chanting. Oh, I don't know what they were chanting, but they were chanting something. And then they got quieted down. Uh, but they did stand and applaud some of them, you know, occasionally. But for the most part, you know, all dressed in white and sitting there stoic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And of course, the big controversy with uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, ripping up the uh, the speech uh, because mm-hmm. people had taken it personally because uh, basically it wasn't. She said she did it because everything in it was lies, but uh, that's not true. She said there were people in that speech that were recognized and acknowledged. So anyway, she had her temper tantrum, but I thought it was an excellent oh, yeah. speech. Very good. Um, there was a little bit of something for everybody, all Americans, to look at and examine for themselves uh, achievements, um, not only of Trump, but just for America. There are people that viewed it as, you know, he kept saying, my administration's achievements, and it's like, well, because it was done under his administration. Uh, so he can claim it rightfully. doesn't matter who passed it in, the, in Congress. Uh, at the end of the day, it's under his administration because he's the final signature on that uh, bill or law or whatever. So um, other than that, there wasn't really too much to say, but everything that uh, happened, I I cried when uh, he did the Rush Limbaugh with the Freedom Medal of Honor, and uh, that was was a tearjerker. (laughs) Poor man. So sad. So glad he Well, I tell you what, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I was pretty. When, you know, when I seen him up there uh, last night, I mean, I mean, when I heard the news about Rush this week, uh, I mean, I was you know, surprised by how um, how affected I was. I mean, and I was thinking this. I don't know about it was earlier of his last year. There's some point like, God, what would we do without Rush? But um, and I remember when I was younger. I mean, when I first was in contact with Rush. Uh, not in contact, but I mean, you know, listen to him. I, I didn't like him because I thought he was kind of a self-aggrandizing narcissist <laughs> until I started really listening to him. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then just, you know, let's fast forward to now. You know, I mean, I mean I've been listening to the guy since about for, what, almost 30 years or, or something like that. I mean, I've been listening to him for, for a long time, and it's just to the point where you're like, you almost feel like you actually you never I've never met him. I mean I never even talked to him. I think I might have gotten in through his show once, <laughs> and um, you know and and so and I don't even know if I even got the chance to talk to him. Um, but no, actually it wasn't. It was in 2012 when I was actually met at him because I was calling about you know Mitt Romney, uh, and they wouldn't just wouldn't let me into the show and. Um, but anyway, and when I think he was kind of pulling more for uh, the Republicans than he was for conservatism. But anyway, but you know, seeing you know hearing about it this week, and then seeing him on the gallery, you know, in the gallery, and I even made a comment. I was like, yeah, he really does. I hate to say it, I mean, you're not used to seeing it because I'm like, he really does look sickly. I mean, he really does. And then I was on Twitter, and I seen him in a wheelchair. 
I mean, it's like, wow, I didn't know it was really that bad. But, I mean, they were actually, was actually pushing him around, you know, in a wheelchair. And I tell and some of the nasty shit that I've heard people saying on Twitter, um, you know, it's like, you know what, how about you, like, reveal who you are or where you're at? Because I'm going to go kick your ass for, for being so insensitive. I mean, I mean, I don't like, I mean, I mean, I don't like, uh, you know, I never liked Obama, but if you're suffering from cancer, maybe even Hillary Clinton, if she was suffering from cancer, I, I, I just don't know if I would have the, and I'm not saying I have much of a heart, but I just don't think I would have had, a, had anything to be able to, to, to say something nasty, like the, some of the things that, you know, I've seen, you know, about, yeah. about Trump. But anyway, I mean, I mean it, it does, I mean, it, it affects, I mean, I actually, uh, I mean, I'm actually more upset about, you know, w- with Trump than some uncles that I actually have, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah it really did. It really did affect me more more so than I thought it would. Well, like Rush had said uh, when he made his announcement on radio, um, he says, "You know, all of you are we're, we're family. You know, people have been people have been listening to me for 30 years. Some, you know, are just tuning in, and and but nevertheless, you know." Because I know you're out there. I've seen you. Uh, so, you know, he visualizes, you know, these people that, uh, matter people, I'm sure, that listen to him. Uh, it was hard for him to make that announcement. And, you know, because I had to look it up after the um, State of the Union last night. Because I didn't hear anything, you know, on the radio or anything else. But um, so I looked it up, and then I played it, and I was like, oh, wow. It's <laughs> Not that I didn't believe it, but basically when they said he he had made an announcement, I'm like, well, where was I? <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's stage four. Yeah, you know, I was telling my husband, I said that. Unfortunately, you don't really come back from that. You can attempt uh, treatment, even if you had all the money in the world, and we could go all over the world to get treatment at that point of stage four where he's at. It's it's there's yeah. No coming back from that. So maybe he's just trying to extend his his days here on Earth. But you know, thank goodness that uh, Trump had heard about it. I think he listens to him regularly, and because he does go on the show and talk to Rush live. And yeah, so he did it. He deserved that medal. He's been around for a long time. He's been a big influencer on conservatives and anybody for that matter who tunes in. We've had a lot of people that uh, call in and say. You know, I used to hear about your show. I used to hate it, but I actually never really listened to it. When a friend of mine had me listen to you, uh, I'm hooked. <laughs> so that's a big deal. Anyway, back to you. Okay, I, I heard you guys with some. I was back. I had to mute my mic. I was uh, just, you know, checking on, <laughs> checking on some things uh, uh, over this end. But yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, that was to say. Now, one of the things I want to I want to bring up because I, again, is uh, still on the topic, but this was on the on the Democrat response. But I don't know how many people caught this. Did you see? Did you watch the Democrat uh, response, uh, Suzette? No, actually, I certainly didn't. I thought they were going to rebut today. For some reason, I heard somebody was doing the rebut today, and I found out it was afterwards. I'm like, oh well. <laughs> okay. I mean, well, I mean, it was. I mean, the 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 
the rebuttal was inconsequential. I mean, as they usually are, um, you know, and it, it's just mumbo jumbo. I mean, I really don't like the response for either one because they tell stories like really don't, don't really mean anything. But one thing I found interesting is that the Democrat who maybe that's just a Democrat thing, uh, but you think it was learned from Biden. And I don't think a lot of people caught it because maybe it's a big deal. Maybe it's not. Probably not, but I found it interesting. And I think it's something telling uh, of the Democrat Party because I think they do things and they don't even think about it. What I mean by that is do you know what the venue was for the Democrat response or no, who did it? it? No. Um, I Oh, gosh, that Cory Booker lookalike dude, I think. It was actually a woman. The one at night was the, gov- was the governor, the female governor of Michigan. And the venue that she gave the speech was at her two daughters' high school. And I found that interesting. I'm yeah. like, don't Democrats ever learn? I mean, seriously, think about that. She's giving the re- rebuttal response, the Democrat rebuttal response. Of a president who is just being blamed of doing something political that would advance, you know, his own career, looking into the Bidens who got a Biden who got a prosecutor fired for investigating his son, and so she decides to do the rebuttal of the State of the Union address from her daughter's school. Not at a town hall, not at the Capitol building or the or, or the the mansion, you know, of the the governor's mansion, whatever they call it. Not you know, not at a, a state icon somewhere, but at her daughter's two daughters' high school. I mean, as I said, maybe it's a big deal, maybe it's not. It's inappropriate. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think it's like, well, wait a minute. You're giving it at your daughter's high school, and it's like that's that's crazy. Not crazy, but I mean, it's like, oh, hey, let my daughters be able to say, oh, my mommy's gonna be doing this, this, da, 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 da. You know, it's like, don't you guys ever learn? I mean, do I think anyone's gonna get in trouble for it? No, you know, but 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 it just shows that the you know that they use their position to benefit their families. That's just what the Democrats do. It's going to benefit the kids and the kids' school. Some at least just getting their name out there, you know, in the public, and people are like, oh wow, look, they get the Democrat rebuttal at our school, and blah blah blah. And the school or daughters just happen to go to. I just, I just, I just said, might have been something that was this small <clears throat> that I caught, but you know, you know, I just uh, thought it was interesting. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. Um, I know it was at a school, but I didn't know it was her daughter's. And politically, that's genius for points and bonus points for the Democrats of Michigan. But I have a question. What is she doing as governor when she's got two kids to raise? She probably works, gets in at 7. Somehow she got her kids off to public school. And what? Well, I mean, but Sarah Palin did that too, so I don't know if we can really point that out. Well, Palin, I wasn't too happy about her. Palin had about, what, 
six, seven kids. Oh, what the heck are you doing running for governor? Five? She had five kids. One of them, I, anyway, I was why Sarah, I mean, it's cool. Why didn't you wait till your kids were much older than, you know, having five kids and you're running for governor? I wasn't happy with Palin doing that either. So this lady, you know, she maybe dropped her kids off to school. What happens you know, is she go home at four so when the kids get off the bus um, or walk home from school, what do they do? The kids go to the governor's mansion? Is that what they do? I mean, come on. And she's probably working till seven, eight, ten o'clock at night. These poor kids. Winston Churchill did this too with his family, and his kids didn't turn out so good. Only one of them, one of the chronic alcoholic, committed suicide. Um. Anyway, his wife, Winston Churchill's wife, was an incredible woman to put up with this for all these years. But anyway, um, it was a great cost to the kids, Winston Churchill's family. Anyway, so um, I want to talk, jump into the Iowa caucus and then jump into the impeachment. So, because um, the Iowa caucus, I was born and raised in Iowa. I've done a caucus in college. And uh, I, um, anyway, the uh, results obviously delayed, delayed. They had a nice app, the Democrat Party, that they couldn't get that app right, and all these hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, and they couldn't get the app right. Anyway, so it looks like, you know, position one, two, three, four was, um, and it's only like 71 or 2% reporting last I heard. They may have updated that, but Buttigieg, the governor from South Bend, Indiana. Buttigieg, wow, you mean mayor? First mayor, sorry, mayor, South Bend, Indiana. So he got uh, number one, but only a few points ahead. And they split the delegates, him in second place, Bernie Sanders. And then you had uh, Warren came in third. I think she only got a couple delegates. And Biden got fourth with zero delegates. Now, what this means historically, Biden got fourth. He's done. He's done. By the way, Hillary Clinton won't run because she hasn't registered with enough states. She can't win. All right, so then – particularly California, had she registered, somebody in the Secretary of State's office would have made it known all over the place. So she's not. She's out. So Hillary's out. Biden's out. Um, pretty much anybody below Biden's out. There was 12, 12 or more. And uh, so we're very close between Buttigieg and, uh, and Sanders. New Hampshire is right next to Vermont, so it looks like Bernie's going to take Vermont. Then you have Nevada. That's a toss-up there, probably Sanders. And then you have uh, South, so it's it's Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, and then the big one would be California. And they're not going to like uh, Buttigieg in California. Because, why? Well, they just Are the Bernie serious? Sanders. No, I'm no, I'm dead serious. Bernie, see, when you build a network from the previous four years. Okay. 2016 Bernie, he had one heck of a following. I see bumper stickers for Bernie, Hillary, none. Um, maybe, maybe I saw one, but I saw, I'm not, I know burners in California. They are nuts about him. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, he genuinely cares about people, or at least he projects the image that he genuinely cares. About. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, no, I, I think he genuinely cares about people. 
okay? I mean, I was dating a burner lady for a little while, but they are nuts about him. And so, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, that's a toss-up who will win between uh, Buttigieg and and Bernie there, but Bernie's going to take California. And the mass the mass number of delegates, incredible number of delegates. And mm-hmm. the, take the what delegates are going to take him out, though? Or the way? Oh, you think the super delegates are going to? Oh, no, no. There's not enough super delegates. Come into play? Um, I mean, well, see, Biden's going to quit. It will come into play, the super delegates, yes, the Democrat Party, but there's too many mass numbers of delegates. And, and, and see, in 2016, there was tricks done to make sure that Hillary took – and tricks, literal tricks. Alex Padilla, the Secretary of State, did some tricks. And those and the Bernie people, they are furious, furious with Clinton, and they remember how Bernie got cheated, and now it's their chance. They have a big network in California, and so um, if – Well, they have the superdelegates, but they're not going to use them in the primaries, they said. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, but, oh, okay, uh, go ahead. You mentioned superdelegates, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So my prediction – Iowa, New Hampshire, bandwagon, Nevada, and maybe Buttigieg will get lucky. Warren's out um, unless – well, anyway. So then we go to uh, South Carolina, probably Bernie, maybe Warren. But then you come to California. After California, Bernie will be so strong that the Democrats are going to get behind him. And I think uh, it's my prediction, unless Bernie has a heart attack, he is 78 years old. Whoops. If he runs for eight years, that means he'll be, oh, see, 84 when he's 86. done. 86. All right. Or is it 86? Mm-hmm. 78 and 8 would be 86. Yes, thank you. Okay, so I'm tired. Very tired. All right. So anyway, so I, I'm I'm starting to see that Bernie could be running against Trump. Of course, Trump. So you don't try socialist a socialist president in a, a blooming economy. You try socialism in a, a depressed, terrible, bad, everybody's out of a job, that's the best time for socialism. But it ain't. And secondly, um, Bernie, he's going to get ripped to shreds in the presidential debate. Oh, yeah. So, so who do you think is going to be his made, running mate? Well, I, well Jim Ber- uh, Buttigieg has a uh, husband. Did you know that? Yep. And the older Democrats. You're thinking to be Bernie like, Buttigieg? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buttigieg, okay. So the uh, older Democrats are talking 55 and older. They're not going to be too fond of um, – they're not going to be too fond of Buttigieg being openly gay. It's one thing for Bernie to support gay marriage and trans and all sorts of stuff, but it's another to have an openly gay husband. So the, old, the, the elderly folk – uh, Florida, forget uh, Buttigieg, forget Florida. You got a lot of retired Democrats there. Forget it. So Bernie's going to win Florida. I mean, I can just—I'm already seeing where this is going. I'm 90% sure it's going to be Bernie Sanders against Trump. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's pretty much a good 
if that happens, then yeah, it's pretty much a given that the try. I can't, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine any of them really uh, defeating Trump. But yeah, I mean, especially if it's Bernie Sanders. But the yeah, but the thing is, is the Democrats like it, whether they think he could beat Trump or not. I guess. Uh, yeah, it's the older Democrats and the independents that are not going to be happy with Buttigieg. Plus, you got a thriving economy versus pitching socialism. It, it just ain't going to work. Unless they impeach Trump. How are they going to impeach? How they, what? They can try you know, to impeach they Trump trying, again. If they keep trying it, I guess. You know, well, I mean, I, they you know need what? to learn impeach. that the more they impeach him, the better his ratings get. Yeah, well, here's – yeah, the, well, okay. As a libertarian, of course, I'm giddy that all this time wasted. The federal government is not growing. Yay, woohoo! Okay, but the the nation has to heal from this mess, and so you know the impeachment, and they can try again. Impeachment is actually a good mechanism if done properly, because it holds government accountable. Supreme Court judges, or Supreme Court justices, lower court judges. Uh, the House can expel their own members with a two-thirds vote. There's no appeal. The Senate can purge their own members with a two-thirds vote, no appeal. Um, so there are system, systems of accountability. Libertarians generally favor impeachment, but you know, and and they have every right to try again since since they control the House. The Democrats do. It just would be nice if this time they have some facts. <laughs> So I, I watched well, the Well, I think about the fact that uh, they also had boosted uh, Bloomberg. You know, they had broke the rules or bent the rules for him to join the, plat- the platform, the stage of debate thing, um, because he donated money, I guess, from what I hear anyway. But anyway, so he donated money, and they bent the rules so he could be on stage with everybody else. And they're really kind of getting behind him now, and you can kind of see why, because if Bernie Sanders wins, and, that, and he won't, but to think of it, we'll have to call ourselves uh, America the Democratic Socialist Country because he's a Democratic Socialist. That's what he calls himself. So that would change everything. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you can't pitch socialism in a budding, thriving economy. You just can't. Right. I mean, you can, but you're not going to be successful. Do you think you're going to try to wreck the economy by then? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What's today? February. We got till November. Our economy is so huge that they can't really wreck it in time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But Bloomberg, he's old, he's rich, and he's white, and he's a man, straight. So you know he's got all those things against him already. So I don't think he'll go far either. <laughs> well, Bloomberg, I think he's going to waste a lot of money. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you think the Democrats hate? Big corporations. What does Bloomberg own? Big corporations. What do they exactly. hate? Politicians, right. politicians trying to buy, buy office, and, it's, and they're, they're, he's Bloomberg. I mean, good for him. He's wasting a lot of money, but he's he's creating jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's there you true. Go. At least short term jobs. <laughs> and yeah, butthead but, uh, Buttigieg or Buttigieg guy, dude, uh, in his own town that he's mayor of, doesn't have the black support from those people. And hasn't had it for a while, but uh, rumors spreads, and so he won't. He's not a viable candidate either. <laughs> but I like the way that kid flipped that coin. He thought he was doing a sleight of hand, I guess. I don't know, but it was uh, flip, catch it, uh, reposition it in your hand, and then flip it over on your hand, 
and say, Caleb, <laughs> goes to Buttigieg, the delegates at the caucus. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, one so one other thing about Buttigieg, I just saw an article today by some uh, liberal friends I have from Watch the Vote, Election Integrity. We get together. We're friends. We talk. Okay. We joke around. Anyway, um, got an article from Facebook on Buttigieg. And he's claiming to be this moderate Democrat. He's not. He used to work Intel, an award-winning investigative journalist, probably a Bernie Sanders fan, just exposed this guy. The Buttigieg is not this anti-war person. He he's went to Somalia. What for? A vacation there? I don't think so. You know, he's he's got friends from Harvard, uh, from some secret society. He's got. Uh, He's a consultant to certain defense contractors and defense policymakers. He is not anti-war, and he just got exposed big time. I was reading this. I'm like, oh my gosh. He can pitch. He can pitch anti-war all he wants, but his connections say otherwise. He he just got exposed big time by this investigative journalist. I'm like, oh my gosh, they find this out. Of course, Bernie Sanders, when Castro was conquering Cuba, um, he was – and there's a video of him celebrating. Oh, yeah, we think we should have revolution. Yeah, Castro killed a lot of people, and he was rejoicing at this when he was younger. Ooh. But they'll go for – I think they're going to go for Bernie over Buttigieg. See, here's the thing about the Iowa caucus. If you don't finish at least third – the Iowa caucus, Democrat, Republican, you're done. You're pretty much done. Now, George Bush got lucky. Uh, in 88, he was he was he placed third, but he did very well in New Hampshire. So this is how important the Iowa caucus is. If you don't finish third, you're, it's historically your toast. And you got zero. And just to see that score chart on the web, Biden, delegates, delegates, Biden, zero. Warren had like a few. And, right. Um, so it, it's Biden's out. Everybody below Biden's out at, at this point. We're going to start seeing them dropping like flies. Uh, yeah, New Hampshire, seen, uh, Bernie's going to take it. Yeah, I just seen an article somewhere about not. He's not. I mean, he hasn't said he's out, but someone you know pretty much said, yeah, he's 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 done. If he only can make fourth place, and here's the thing, it, it and and it, if they. Wanted to have the uh, the impeachment and thought the impeachment somehow is going to help Biden. It's actually hurt him. I mean, because it really brought out the flu. Uh, it really you know brought out the, you know the controversy uh, and you know kind of put a light on on Hunter Biden and his corruption. I really do. <laughs> I think that I think if they were trying to help him, they did and they they screwed him up. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Robert. Yeah. Robert, you know, it's it really doesn't matter in the sense that there's so much discrimination and hypocrisy and deceit, deception on all sides. But it really doesn't matter if Trump wins or who he's up against because the system is still full of corruption. And as long as we continue to ostracize certain groups, disenfranchise certain groups, then we still are away from the Declaration of Independence, the hope, the spirit, and promise that was supposed to be delivered by the United States Constitution. And so it ain't going to be – well, 
there's a whole lot of what it's going to be. We already have socialism now. It's just not widespread. It's undercover. But at the same time, it's not the same kind of socialism. There's different pockets of socialism, and there's majorly fascism. Because, you know, based on the State of the Union address, Trump has turned a bit more socialist in those giveaways that he was talking about. And therefore, he doesn't respect what he's really saying about power back to the people. Because it's just like the gentleman that was speaking earlier, Bill Faywell. The system is corrupt. But the hypocrisy or deceit is the people that's proposing a solution are just proposing switching dictators. Well, those dictators don't see things the way I do, so let me in there, and I'll be a dictator that will do it right. But as long as you have dictators and you disrespect the right of each individual to be free and self-governing, then you're still in violation of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And so the judgment of the innate natural understanding of human behavior says that it's going to just get worse, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's only going to be about running around with hatchets and guns shooting each other and, you know, using cars or stuff like that to beat up people. There will be more of that going on, but there's also going to be more IEDs and more biological warfare infecting the water and whatnot because people will realize that until everybody starts suffering like the lowest and least among us, the system's not going to change. And so God's going to let the least among us rule from that standpoint in order to buckle us to our knees in order for that judgment to come through until the rest of us understand that we're just comfortably numb in our own sufficiency thinking that we got it figured out. And that's why I keep preaching mutual assent because I'm going to be good. I'm going to still eat three day, you know, three or four times a day and pretty much what I want and have nice shelter and, you know, comfort of air conditioning, heat and whatnot and drive where I want to and stuff. But, it doesn't change the rest of the world. The world doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around all of us collectively governing from a standpoint of mutual respect and mutual agreement. Otherwise, we don't have the rule of law because the rule of law is predicated on the principle of legal mutuality, freedom of contract, freedom of association, freedom of conscience. And as long as we continue to tell ourselves that it's okay to you know, do whatever – you know, like any of these people running for office, they compare themselves with themselves, you know, thinking that they well, among themselves are wise when they're not, when they can't compare themselves. Why did you run, John? <laughs> I would, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see you. I'd love to see you run for office. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got a point, though. When you think about it, Trump did mention last night that um, he had signed a, a bill from the House to for child care. Uh, and for the what was it the um, parent leave absent thing and it's only for yeah, federal but... workers so they're going to borrow money from China because we don't have any so that we can give those days off to the parents of federal workers like they don't get enough pennies already and that was from right. the, the Democrats so a couple a couple things it's one uh, Trump I, and I've never thought Trump was a Republican, never was. He's not a Democrat mm-hmm. either, really. He's a populist. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is if you think about it, and hold on, don't interrupt me, anybody, because that's, that's going to get on my nerves. But anyway, right. is uh, is uh, when it comes to 
you know, and it's, it's, I'm glad you mentioned fathers, though. I mean, sometimes I think guys get the shaft, no pun intended, in Bard's logic after dark. But, you know, at least he said mothers and fathers. And the reason why he only mentioned federal workers and I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm I'm for this because I'm really not. I mean, nor am I for the the voucher system or you know these. Oh, you get to pick whatever school that you go to. Yeah, if you pay for it out of your own pocket, then yeah, you should be able to pick whatever school you want to. But anyway, I mean, but with the federal workers, I mean, he can only do it for federal workers because he can only you know sign stuff off for you know for those people for taxes to go. Towards that, as again, I'm not agreeing with that. I don't like it, actually. Uh, except that at least, at least it's fair in that you know it's going to help out the fathers too. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, that's the only thing you know uh, about it that I would that I would like. Not that I like any of it, but I mean, if I had to choose something, at least it's not something that's like oh, just going to the mothers. It's going to fathers too. And, and again, I mean, he can't sign a bill and say you know, hey, company, you know, you got to do this. I mean, you know, not just for himself, um, but I mean, he's using that as an example of, hey, I think the rest of the people should do that, and and I, I mean, I think if a company wants to offer that, you know, they should they should be able to offer it. Um, but with the government employees, I mean, you're not going to have an industry, you're not going to have an industry paying for that because government workers, any government worker, is paid for by the taxes. I mean, I, there was a time I was a government worker, so. I mean, just to say that government workers should not get the benefits that other companies may allow or may give people in the private sector. Now, frankly, I don't think that's I, I don't I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's a fair comparison. I mean, I'm not a government worker now. Who knows? In eight years, maybe I will be again. But I'm but I'm not. But that that's just how that's how people in the public sector are paid. They're all paid. You know, they're all paid for by by taxes. I mean, that's just like saying that, well, you know, a company, you know, you know, contributes to the 401k. Well, you know, you know, or, or that might not be a good example, but, you know, to say that, you know, a company will pay towards part of their health care and you only pay a little bit of a premium, like, like, you know, like I, I might pay, hell, I don't even know. It comes right out of my checks. I don't know how much I pay per week for my health care, but I mean, you know, I might pay that, but the company pays for the rest, and that gives the, that gives the same with 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 people who work, you know, in the public sector. I mean, it just so I don't know if that's a I really don't know if that if that's a fair comparison. And, and the thing is, is I know you you know Trump you know you you want to complain about Trump and this and that and what have you, but you know what? I, I'm here, here's here's what I don't get. I'm, I'm not hearing any viable. And even our guest tonight was like, well, I mean, I mean he's. Like Reid was something I say all the time. It's it's just not feasible. I mean, he said to try to give everybody a line on a veto. It's just that that's not feasible. That that will that would never work. And, and so you know, saying all about Trump. Well, the thing is, it's right now the people like myself who support Trump is because you know what? We don't have a better alternative. We we just don't. This is this is you know like anything in life. This is the cards that life handed us, and we have to you know we have to deal with it. And you mentioned oh, well, God's going to do this or that. You know, I mean, you know me. I'm not a religious man. I mean, and I, if people want to believe that, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. Believe it. Believe that some kind of miracle is going to happen. It's going to up, 